0: Welcome to another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Marco, with my lovely co-host,
1: Jessica. How's
0: it going, Jessica?
1: It's, uh, you know, it's going.
0: How was your day?
1: <laughs> kind of crazy.
0: <laughs> when isn't it a crazy day? It's
1: always crazy. We have four kids.
0: It was crazy yesterday. It was. It was crazy the day before. Indeed. And what does the forecast fold for tomorrow? Oh, it is going to be wonderfully crazy. <laughs> crazy sure. with a with a chance of crazy? <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So how did cross-country go?
0: Cross-country, oh, cross-country's been, it's been crazy. No, it's uh, it's the build-up week to regionals, which is always kind of a high-anxiety, stressful, exciting, scary time for all the kids, the coaches, the parents, and everything. More so this year because we had to qualify for regionals. Usually in Michigan, you just, everybody goes to regionals, mm-hmm. or at least your top seven. And then they have a reserve race. Well, there's no reserve races this year, so everyone's battling to be in that top seven on the team. We had to qualify to get here. We did. Both the boys and the girls qualified to be in the regional meet. Hooray! And both really have a legitimate shot of going to state. For that third, you know, top three teams advanced, and out of the teams that don't advance this year, uh, top seven runners unattached also go. Uh, My boys and my girls squads both have a legitimate shot of getting that number three spot and advancing that's Um, awesome it is and it's a it's a it's a crew where out of the the 14 spots so the seven boys and the seven girls i have 13 runners i have five girls i have eight boys so one's a reserve which comes in handy because who knows what's going to happen but out of all those 13 runners eight are freshmen (laughs) and out of the ones that aren't freshmen two are in their first year of varsity cross country
1: that's interesting. Or,
0: of running five kids, oh, high school amazing. cross country even. So what an
1: awesome introduction to cross country. It's a lot of
0: inexperience. Two of the two of the eight, or the freshmen ran as eighth graders because we were a small school, and mm-hmm. uh, one of them actually ran at state. So one of my most experienced runners is a freshman. Hilarious. Yes. So you can imagine with the parents and the runners and everything, and plus we throw in the curveballs of 2020 and missing half the season because the school shut us down, and knowing. Or not knowing at any moment, is the state health department going to shut us down? Is the county health department going to shut us down? Is the school going to shut us down? What's going to happen?
2: Nobody knows. Oh, I
0: know. Uh, I think we probably should do, once we get through this state tournament piece, just do an entire episode of recapping the craziness that's been going on instead of all that, uh, or just trying to do it at the beginning. Let's just say this. By the time this airs, we will have run at regionals. We will know whether we're advancing as a team for the boys whether we're advancing as a team for the girls or if not which individual boys and girls are going to state if any mm-hmm. uh or if we got shut down or if you know who knows what a giant meteor comes and wipes out the whole planet who knows it's What's 2020 not? okay Godzilla comes out of Lake Michigan something I don't know Things uh, are
1: already weird enough. We don't need to. End I was Godzilla toying with like, do I get on?
0: Do I get on right afterwards and record just a snippet at the end of this one? But you know what? Let's just save it for next week. Yeah. So for now,
1: you'll have to stay tuned.
0: Stay tuned and check back and how we did, and I'll tell you all about it and I'll talk about the uh, the buildup and everything. Uh, maybe after state, I'll do all the buildup and the ins and outs of what everything was going on. <laughs> but I will definitely get the you know a recap of the results in next week's podcast. For now, though, we did survive uh, the regional meet with two, or sorry, the pre regional meet, not a district because a district has champions and medals and trophies, and the state of Michigan didn't want to do that. So we had to qualify in the pre regional. Two lightning delays out there. We survived those. And then we ran on a very wet, what's normally a oh. very fast, flat, open course, was what in horse racing they would call sloppy conditions.
1: Yeah, I really like the picture you sent me of the one kid running through a mud puddle and the giant splash going up. His I put leg. it on our
0: uh, Instagram story today too. Oh, that's awesome! Where he's running away and he's just and that's the first half mile and he's already coated in mud and he's one of the leaders in the race. I think nice. he was in uh, sixth place at that time, and he's already just coated. And by the time they were done, there it was. It was kind of a misting light rain after the torrential downpours. The field was just soaking wet. There was one point where they had to do a ninety degree turn. In a puddle that was up past their ankles, I have another picture of one of the young ladies on the team was taking her foot out of her shoe. And she's like, "Coach, you got to look at this." And so I'm like, "Whoa, I need to take a picture of this. Do you mind?" She's like, "Oh, please do." <laughs> it was her sock, her formerly white sock with a pink heel or magenta heel, was just brown. Ew. Crayola box of eight colors brown. It nice. was, that's how how muddy and how nasty it was. But did we, they have fun? I think they did, and we did well. <laughs> the boys came in third place. The Thanks. top four teams advanced out of the pre-regional to the regional. The boys came in fourth place by one point, and one of my runners was beat out at the finish line by one of the other – the school that finished ahead of us by three-tenths of a second. Mm-hmm. And so basically we lost – we came in third instead of second by a three-tenths bummer. of a second. I mean... Now you could easily say any of the other runners could have beaten one of their runners – or anybody else, but nobody else had a runner that close. So that's the way it goes. That's racing. But we advanced. And on the girls' side, uh, they came in second, even though uh, the all the experts who do analytics and projections had us down at third or fourth. That's funny. Uh, they have. There's one team, every time we do these hypothetical meets on paper, there's one of our, our frenemies have beaten us on every hypothetical meet all season long. And they're still ranked ahead of us. They're ranked ahead of us in the state standings. They're ranked ahead of us in the regional outlook. They haven't beat us all season.
1: That's hilarious.
0: And on Monday, we went and had a duel with them. Just us and them. And I even had my number one girl uh wanted to hang back. She Or she didn't want to. I had her hang back because I didn't want her overdoing it in just a, a, a tune-up duel. I had her hang back, not with our number two, but with our number three, encouraging and pushing our number three runner on. And even with her doing that, we still beat our frenemies. Nice. And then the boys won too. Awesome. So the boys have beat that school every every time we've gone head to head with them also. A lot of fun, a uh, lot of anxiety, a lot of expectations. We'll see what happens. And yeah. Yay. Yay. 2020. Who knows what's going to happen?
1: How's hockey going?
0: Hockey's going. Okay. I'm having fun. Uh, I've got a good... Good squad. Actually, one of the other captains proposed a trade to me this week. He's like, oh, uh, this person for that person. I'm like, you know what? I I really like the chemistry we got going on this team this season. I don't want to mess with anybody. I played with all the players before except for one guy. Mm-hmm. And he's fitting right in. So I really love it. Now, Sunday night, we lost 12 to 3. That's pretty good. It was brutal. <laughs> like, it got to the end. But oh, we were no. good natured. Nobody got down. We we're all like, well, you know, we'll take our lumps. It happens. And a lot of us are getting to the face-offs and we're looking up the clock and like, there's five minutes left. Like, can this just wrap up so we can go drink beer? (laughs) And at one point, one of the players on the other team is like, could that clock go a little faster? Like, let's just go have beer. Like, yep. Uh, it got to the third period, and it's like, can we just score a goal and ruin this new goalie's <laughs> night and make sure he doesn't get a shout out? And so we got that, and we got a couple more. That's funny. But overall, it's it's going good. So four games down out of our twelve game season. I mean, and three of those are going to be playoffs.
1: So that's playing. But you also did some coaching.
0: That's true. Last weekend, kid number one had her first game of the season. So last week was week one of the winter season for our, our local rink. And kid three had a practice early in the morning. And luckily my pre-regional was on Friday. The kids were playing Saturday. So I got to take him to his, his, his U eight, his might practice early in the morning, came home, mm-hmm. went back to the rink. Kid number two had his practice for U 10 squirts mm-hmm. back home. And then while I was at the, the might practice got us, Hey, Hey, uh we're short on, we, we need a coach. <laughs> I'm like what? And they're like, yeah, we did we got uh this guy over here. He's he's going to coach it, but he's there by himself. Were you filling in and coach too? I'm like, sure. I'll go home and get my coaching gear. Mm-hmm. So, came back for game 3 uh for the u 12 uh peewees and was coaching and I've known the other guy for a long time and we've coached against each other, we've coached with each other, so it worked out fine. He took the forwards, I took the defenseman and the goalie. We had two goalies. Kid uh, kid number 1 I drew the straw for the second half of the game. And this is like a high-flying team that's been practicing together. And our kids are just meeting each other. And we like, in fact, before the game, we're running around going, can we get enough jerseys the all match? Like we had enough oh, whites. No. But this other team, who's a, a travel team, which should have shown up with lights and darks, or in their case, reds and whites, mm-hmm. only showed up with whites. And so like we're scrambling to get enough darks. And there was at one point in our game where, we had a green jersey, a black jersey, and a blue jersey go, all going for the puck, fighting each other. We're like, you're on the same team. It's white versus not white. <laughs> That's
1: so funny. <laughs> we
0: expected, uh, yeah. And we're trying to figure out on the bench, like a, you know, I had one of my defensemen's whining, I want to go play offense. I always play offense, blah, 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 I'm like, well, today you're a defenseman. you know." And then uh, finally, and partway through the first period, one of the forwards leans back and goes, uh, can I play defense? I'm like, have you played defense before? He's like, yeah, like all last season. I'm like, sweet at intermission you two are switching <laughs> and he turned out to be one of the better defensemen uh, kid won though she played amazing so she came in halfway through the second period didn't let any goals in uh that half a period what? and then she did really well in the uh third period she had one where they just flat out they shot it and got her by her faster than she could collapse down on the puck but all the other ones that got her it was um, like a three on none, so like three, three offensive players, and I'm like, "Where are my defensemen? Why are you guys at the blue line? Help my daughter out!" <laughs> you know, stuff like that, where they're just passing around, and she's flying her back and forth across the crease as much as she, fast as she can, but she can only slide so fast.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so they ended up uh, all told by the end of the game, it was a nine to nothing. Yeah, it was Whoa. bad. The game pucks went to the two goalies because we expected it to be much, much, much worse. Oh, my God. And because they were getting no support. Uh, so the two of them basically just stood on their heads. And they both goalies walked out holding their chin up uh, high because mm-hmm. they did amazing. Uh, they really did tech- from a technical perspective. And being a goalie dad. And so when she goes to goalie camp, a lot of times I go and I listen so I can help remind her of the lessons. Mm-hmm. It's like she's doing all the things they're asking her to do. She just, you know, and I didn't expect her to be perfect, but she—the one time she got beat, like where it was a legit her versus the shooter, and she got beat by him. Sometimes that's going to happen. Yeah. The rest of the time, though there's a breakaway where it was her and the and the uh, shooter, and she made an amazing glove save, and she had a few other amazing saves. Couldn't be, she, I couldn't she believe she did a lot of kick saves too. So yeah, awesome, fun game stressful i was looking over at the other coach good like just pumping my hand on my chest and he's like nodding his head like yeah this is stressful (laughs) but we kept them to a single digit point total so we'll see that game that team again down the line it'll be it'll be interesting so apparently i'm coaching also that later that day i also got asked, will you help be the assistant coach on uh u10 so i guess like i'm going to be he's like and that coach last season we did u10 together and he's like do the defenseman and goalies i'm like really you're a goalie coach why am i coaching the goalies uh, this season I guess I'm coaching the forwards. Nice. And then for U12s I guess I'm coaching the defensemen. So I'm just wherever. Happy to help out. Cool. Yeah, it'll be fun.
1: Great. now, for the You're this like bored with my hockey stories, Important you? question of the night.
0: Oh, what now? It's the best
1: question. Water I'm not coaching
0: soccer, that's for sure.
1: For sure. Yeah. What are you drinking?
0: Yes, that is an important question. See? I told you. I'm having whiskey. I'm having bourbon. (laughs) I am having, uh, from New Holland Distillery in Holland, Michigan, I am having the Beer Barrel Bourbon. They take their bourbon, and actually, first, they start out with American white oak barrels, and they age their Dragon's Milk uh, Stout. It's a beer. They age it in the oak (laughs) barrels. Then they take it out, and then they put their whiskey in to age in that. So it's almost, uh, not almost, it is a reverse. A lot of times, people will take barrels that they age the whiskey in they take Mm -hmm. the whiskey out and bottle it they take those leftover barrels and then they put their beer in it yeah this is the exact opposite they've aged the beer in the barrel and then they put the whiskey in cool and it has some interesting notes in there you 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 pick up some of those stout flavors in the whiskey Mm -hmm. but you're also still getting those vanilla uh kind of caramel uh hints that you get from oak barrels with them too so it's it's nice and mellow it's great uh made in michigan They don't sponsor us, but it's yummy, and this is not my first time having it. Oh, awesome. What are you having?
1: I am having a glass of the weekend rose from Round Barn Winery in Baroda, Michigan.
0: Never heard of it. I'm kidding. I know.
1: So close. Our listeners have never heard 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 of it. it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Weren't you drinking their weekend red uh, last episode? I
1: think I was. Or
0: weekend white, or one of their weekends. One of their
1: weekends. They're all really good. They're all nice and sweet, so if you like sweet wines, those are for you.
0: Do they sponsor us, even though they're down the street? No, no, they just send some drinks our way. But no, they bring don't. a pizza by for the kids or something.
1: Ooh, their pizza is really good. It is.
0: I mean, that's the part
1: margarita of pizza. Like if we were not doing low the carb, the forest.
0: It's like the forest floor with the one with the sausage and the mushrooms that and everything. One that one's good too. Very good as well. Margarita is good.
1: also good the next day.
0: It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, even their their just plain mushroom pizza.
1: Oh yeah, that's all of their pizzas really. Great. Love
0: their t- fact that their toppings are definitely not coming out of the can. Like when you get mushrooms, they're fresh mushrooms yep. on it. It's been hard because uh, since we've gone low, low carb, we haven't gone there as much because not as much of the menu works for us.
1: It doesn't. It's sad.
0: But I mean, they really do do it all between brewing, mm-hmm. distilling, and making wine.
1: Yeah. They're easily one of my favorite companies. My
0: favorite is when we went there one time and your dad like tried to order a Jack and Water. They're like, we can do a whiskey <laughs> and water. They have their own bourbon. And your mom's like, what do you have that's like a Bud Light? It's like, oh my God.
1: I think the waiter actually laughed at that point. <laughs> she asks
0: us every time. It's the point where I remember what she's supposed to order.
1: Yeah. Well, it's good that somebody does. That the, the
0: one she liked, The one that they have that is most like a Bud Light is not the one she wants. <laughs> all right, sweetie. To the week that was. Cheers.
1: Cheers. Ooh, that was a good clinky. Yep.
0: And with that, let's dive into our main feature for this episode.
1: Dive, dive, dive.
0: <laughs> what are we talking about this week?
1: We are talking about kid number 2. We're
0: doing an episode on hockey hair and corona hair <laughs> and grown it out. And no. all in Although potentially p- potentially making it into a little man bun or i guess a boy bun
1: we could talk about that because he has decided to grow his hair out and it's really adorable and also it is definitely long enough for teeny tiny shrek ear like pigtails on top <laughs> we won't got, let me do it we've though.
0: gotten yeah. it issues and putting on his hockey helmet because now like you know when he puts it on the way he puts on his helmet it goes down in his face and mm. the other night i ended up you know what come here I brought him over to the sink wet down his hair <laughs> slicked it back like nice. most hockey players who have hair but his length yeah and put on his helmet the problem was he went on the ice and had to hang out for a while on the bench before he could get on the ice yep it's like my head got so cold it's Aww. like well what? how about we just get it wet dry it a little bit then put your helmet on He
1: could just put the headband on
0: no because the way he, his helmet's tight and he oh. doesn't like the way it feels
1: okay well, well. it's
0: a sensory thing indeed but that kind of gets into why we're speaking about kid number two and really the i think the working title and maybe what the finished title is but definitely the working title for this episode is going to be autism and our family's journey yeah yeah
1: i mean that about sums it up
0: i feel kind of bad because uh last week i said join us for a fun episode next week Lies. yeah and actually like,
1: this is not terrible. this is
0: i know but it's gonna be one of our more serious topics yeah uh, we're going to try to make it fun because otherwise we'll just out, both end up in tears. <laughs> uh, it's been a rough road, but we love our kid. We love our family. Uh, so we're going to crack some jokes along the way. And I mean, some of the stuff, you just got to laugh or you'll just go nuts. Pretty much. So, And that's really our, our view on everything quite often. So if we are cracking jokes and you're getting offended by it, it's like, like they just don't take this seriously. Yeah, we do. Very, very much so. But if you're so serious all the time, it's um, it's just hard to make it through the day sometimes.
1: Sometimes you just need to make a joke and turn a really heavy thing into something light. Because if you don't, you're just, like you said, you're going to just burst into tears. And you cannot yeah. go through life crying all day long about something that just is.
0: Yep. Yep. So let's go into it. Okay. Bottom line up front for this episode, and you've already hit on it, We have a child who has been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lovely little guy. He's delightful. Love him very much. Mm -hmm. But we're going to back up just a little bit from his arrival. And briefly, first off, Jessica, dive into our backgrounds with uh, autism spectrum disorders. Because we were not completely foreign to this topic before we had children.
1: Definitely not. So if you've listened to us for a while, then you know that... We both have degrees in psychology, emphasis in applied behavior analysis.
0: Several degrees. Yeah.
1: I have a master's degree and I am a board certified behavior analyst. And my area that I decided to specialize in was actually autism and the related disorders that go along with it. Um, I got into the field when I was an undergrad. I decided to do um, a practice. You have to do at least one practicum to graduate. And I looked at the list of available practica and I thought, boring, boring, that one's way too sad. This one will pay you. And it happened to be the autism practicum. And I was like, yes, I can take it in the summer. I'll get paid to do it. That'll pay for my guests to travel up from my town, back up to Kalamazoo to do this. This will be amazing. And I did it. And I hated it at first because I'd never seen anything like it before. And I got thrown into it with really very little explanation or uh, like a like a gentle guide into what exactly I'd be doing as a therapist. Um, but once I got over the hump, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the field and I was like, yes, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to go to school for. I'm going to do it. So I went to graduate school down at Florida State, got my master's in ABA, and then became a board certified behavior analyst. And I started working for a company down in Tallahassee.
0: While you were a grad while student. While I was a
1: grad student. And then I stayed on for a year or two.
0: Yeah, you became senior staff after you graduated while mm-hmm. I was still finishing my degree.
1: Yep. And then when we left Alahassee, I took a little break
0: so yeah. we could have our family. But you're still, were are doing, uh, I won't call it telehealth, but you're still consulting with people. They were asking your advice and whatnot. You just weren't seeing clients and billing directly against clients for many, many years. Yeah. And working and staying in touch with the field. mm
1: mm-hmm. Definitely.
0: But by that time we had kids on my side, a little bit different. So I have my my bachelor's, master's and Ph.D. are all in psychology. My master and my bachelor's came out of Western. So it's very behavioral. My master's is out of Florida State uh, with a specialty in applied behavior analysis. So is my doctorate. But unlike you, I was not going to school specializing in autism. It wasn't my area of focus. That said, as an undergrad, uh, I. Did my honors thesis related to, you know, in that area. I was working with a graduate practicum and actually doing instructional design work with them, but they were working with kids with autism. So I, of course, had to be in the setting around it, had to take special training to be there. When I went to graduate school, my um, my assistantship, I'm like, I'm here, I want to study and I want to work with uh, employee performance and behavior-based safety and not in the workforce. Like, that's great. You can study all that stuff. You can do the research there, but you're going to go work in the schools because that's how you're going to get paid. So I, that's how my assistantship was set up. My tuition was waived. I got paid for that, and then I worked more hours. So I was working in the schools, and I was working with a variety of populations, but also uh, some of my clients were on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. On top of that, as I went, went along through my education uh, and my experiences, not only was I getting more and more hands-on experience in a clinical setting, so to speak. I mean, that was my clinical time. I was also teaching uh, a variety of classes and getting more and more advanced classes in uh, applied behavior analysis that I was teaching. Like you work your way up the ladder. You start out with the basic classes and as people graduate and move on, it's like, Oh, there's an opening. I get to go do that one. Mm -hmm. And ultimately for towards the end, I was just the applied behavior analysis guy teaching that over and over again. And then I taught some graduate courses too, uh, to the new incoming, because after I was done, I, Slid into a faculty spot for a while and taught and taught behavior analysis in the schools and behavior analysis in education. And when that, of course, overlaps with kids on the autism spectrum.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But once I uh, I finished up and moved out of that academic role and moved into the private sector, it's kind of done with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I,
1: it's not for everyone.
0: It's not for everyone, but it wasn't just like, well, I won't do this. But I went... I was getting heavy into behavior based security and safety and employee performance. Mm-hmm. And that was opening new doors and new areas. And I was going that way and it wasn't in the clinical side. Right. But I, I definitely had plenty of time working, dealing with parents, going, Well, what do you know? You don't have any children. What do you know? And yes. Like
2: how many kids did you
0: have that are on the spectrum? I'm like, I don't have kids, I'm not even married at this point. <laughs> but I did spend my time getting bit, kicked. But also getting the warm fuzzies when they they achieve and they learn something. Yes. Uh, And they break. They get a new social skill that you've been working so hard to help them learn and have more adaptive behavior.
1: Yep. There really is nothing better than when you've been working and working and working on one particular skill for months and months. And then one day something snaps into place and suddenly that kid gets it and does it all over the place. You get this wonderfully warm fuzzy feeling right in your heart. It makes your skin tingle. It's fantastic.
0: So let's fast forward. <laughs> we move We move out of Florida. Yep. We move up to D.C. Uh, I'm working not in a clinical setting. I was doing some R&D work. Uh, and I'm being basically a researcher at that point. And then eventually got into more uh, applied operational type work. Uh, where it was like real world situations. You got to adjust on the fly. But it still was very much in a business organizational type sense with adults mm-hmm. was not doing clinical work you were mostly uh at that point we're starting to really blossom as a photographer and doing occasionally online stuff but we had kid one
2: mm-hmm.
0: almost immediately we had kid two i think there was two birthdays in a row my birthday card was surprise you're gonna be a dad
1: yeah <laughs> it's is- that's it was pretty pretty like surprise you're a dad.
0: Yes, this is wonderful. Next birthday, surprise you can be a dad again. I'm like, are you kidding? No, no, no.
1: This is really happening. So
0: we had two kids, and in there somewhere, I I was also uh teaching at one of the universities on the side because I'm insane. But actually, because it takes so long when you accept and to get the course on the course registers office and get it listed and get kids to sign up. When I agreed to be a professor, we had um on the side like. Basically, I had nights, like, go drive to Maryland, hold office hours, then give a three-hour lecture, then drive home and get home at one in the morning.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. When I signed up for that gig, we had no kids. And by the time the class started, we had two kids. (laughs) Yeah. Stuff happens. Uh, But our kid number two, nice little little boy, let's talk about life with kid number two as a baby, from what we can remember. Because it was a bit of a blur.
1: It's, it's pretty much all a blur. Our kids are, kid number one and kid number two are 11 months apart, um, which I do not recommend you do that. That was not planned. That just sort of happened and it is what it is. But because of that, like we were very, very tired for a long time. So the memories are a little bit fuzzy.
0: Out what we do remember, let's talk about kid number two when he was little. I mean, I mean, right off the bat, well, even before he left the hospital, he was known as the Guzzler. The Guzzler, yes, you know, kid number one. We could barely get her to finish a bottle, and it would take a, like at that point, the feedings are every hour and a half, and it would take her an hour and 15 minutes to finish whatever many uh milliliters she was supposed to drink, and then it's time to do a feeding again. I was like, oh my god, <laughs> kid number one, or sorry, that was kid number one, kid number two. Give it to him. He's sucking it down. You can't get that thing out of his mouth fast enough before they say, No, don't give him any more. He'll that's too much. <laughs> and he just suck it right down. It's like and even when the nurses had him, they're like, the kid, we got him in the nursery. We call him the guzzler. The
1: guzzler. I do remember that. Um
0: He was pretty pretty much. He was a pretty baby. mellow little baby. Yeah. Like he
1: didn't he only cried when he was hungry or if he needed to be changed, which is probably something we should have noticed about him. Um
0: I, I think we were just rejoicing that he was so mellow and so easy.
1: Especially compared to kid number one who
0: was not It's like the light on, the light off. We, oh, quick, open the refrigerator or move <laughs> the couch. What 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 is it? Where it's like all this superstitious behavior trying yep. to figure out what is setting her off.
1: Yeah. No, we didn't have to do any of that with kid number two. He was pretty happy, pretty much go with the flow.
0: Just hung out. It's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, just like basic needs. Um when like as a as a baby he didn't really do a whole lot. We didn't there wasn't anything that we noticed. Um but as
0: a He was picking up uh gross motor skills on schedule. Actually even a little ahead because he was chasing his sister. Yeah. Gross he motor won.
1: skills were fine. Um He
0: wanted to stand up. He wanted to walk. He wanted to do those kind of things uh because she was ahead of him, but they were about the same size.
1: Yep. Um but we did once, you know, he turned 1 and then hit that magical toddler age, uh we did notice that he was not progressing with his language as quickly as we thought he should have been and then you get into some fine motor skills because toddlers will engage in a couple of fine motor behavior especially if they're like picking up blocks and he had a little bit of trouble doing that
0: he did and at that point we were just kind of going well we got a boy and a girl and girls are known for being more advanced with the fine motor skills and boys are more advanced with the gross motor skills yeah just in general it's like well maybe it's just that because we don't want to be those parents because we are psychologists and we've had this training and we don't want to turn a blind eye to something that's a deficit but we don't want to be kind of like hypochondriacs about it like oh my god and oversensitive and almost like any student who takes psych 101 suddenly they're diagnosing everybody in their family with like schizophrenia and all sorts of disorders is like chill out there maybe you might want to get to your second class
1: i don't know it's never mind mind. (laughs) no it's just like
0: every psych student or they take abnormal psych and suddenly they think they're you know forensic psychologists and solving the world's problems like okay settle down there you (laughs) might want to get out of your sophomore (laughs) year of college first
2: Uh,
0: but well i mean on the speech front we were actually very concerned and sent him to the pediatrician we're like we think he's speech delayed because he's not speaking much
1: yeah he didn't he only had like five or six words uh, at the so the we where they start checking. So the they words.
0: scheduled him for a assessment, and of course, in between, I had to come back to Michigan because I was on a, a doctoral committee mm-hmm. for a grad student, and I had to fly out for her doctoral defense. And I'm like, well, okay, he's little; he can fly out on my on my lap. Mm-hmm. Although the plane was so empty, he got like we actually had a whole row, not like our three seats. We had our whole row, the row in front of us and the row behind us to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we, we fly out to Michigan, and I do the defense, and he hangs out with my parents. And the whole time we're on this trip, the words just float out of this kid like he wouldn't shut up the whole time.
2: <laughs>
0: and we're like, what the hell? And so they take him to the assessment, and they're like, yeah, we don't see a deficit. He seems fine. And they go, you know what it probably is? Is you Does your daughter speak a lot for him?
1: That kid doesn't ever shut up. She kid talks yeah. nonstop. She always has.
0: And she likes to speak for her siblings. Now, kid three, when he came along, he's he has a little bit of a Napoleon complex, but he would stand on a chair or couch, <laughs> whatever, to make himself as tall as possible and go, no. And basically, he must be heard. Yep. And he'll get any yelling matches. But she'll do the same thing for kid number four, too. Mm-hmm. So that I think that was the first time we really voiced a concern with the pediatrician, um, though, it was like, we think he's speech delayed. We want him assessed. And then, of course, it came back with, no he's fine and it's just because you have a daughter that won't shut up that's not the exact words they said but uh this is a late night podcast with us having cocktails (laughs) or actually i'm just (laughs) just straight straight up drinking bourbon and you're drinking wine
1: yep so on the speech front he had that nice little language explosion and we were so happy about that it was great we were like yes it it did settle
0: down a little bit though when i got home from the trip it did but overall we did start seeing an uptick
1: (laughs) right um, but then something else happened. We noticed that kid number two would engage in these horrific temper tantrums. They would not end. And I am not talking like 15 minutes. I am talking hours long. And they weren't just screaming temper tantrums. They were full on aggression against us, aggression against um, the like objects in the room, the floor.
0: It was really until and, he just hit the point of exhaustion and fell asleep. Yeah. And out. then there was also there was throwing up, and he still couldn't calm down. And now you and I had been trained and certified for many, many years in restraint. And it wasn't like hold him and grip him tight. It no. would be uh, I would just lay my arm across his, almost like dead weight. And he just wasn't strong enough to lift it off. I wasn't holding his little wrists or anything. But it's just like basically I sat, uh, crisscross applesauce. We're not supposed to call it Indian style anymore. That's what it was when we were little kids. Yeah, you call it crisscross applesauce. Crisscross applesauce just, like cross your legs. Cross my legs sat there, put him in my lap and basically did not a squeeze, but just had my arms around him so he couldn't flail his arms or mm-hmm. go around her hit because uh he would just scream and throw things and it's like, okay, just come here. Kind of a kind of a cuddle, but also kind of like just you're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm and uh just to keep him safe and keep his sister safe because we also noticed he would lift up his arm and bite himself or he would bang his head into things it's like okay we don't want any brain injuries we don't want to you know we don't want to go for stitches so it was just kind of lock everything in place without no physical harm no but just kind of restrict mobility
1: well you and i know that those behaviors could have very easily been reinforced accidentally and really the best thing to prevent that for him was just sort of a light restraint.
0: The light restraint, deny mm-hmm. access. Uh, no, you know, it wasn't like, like I said, we're not like we we're putting our fists around his or no. our hands around his arms and squeezing tightly. It's like actually didn't even put anything around his hands. Mm-mm. Just l- gently in a hug, laid my arms across and it's just, he didn't have the And just
1: held him until he stopped. He didn't
0: have the strength. And no matter how many times he threw up on me. <laughs> But then he would just eventually have exhaustion and he'd pass out. And then when he woke up, he'd feel bad. He'd actually start crying Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times uncontrollably. Uh, And then you had to cheer him up because he would feel bad for the previous two hours Mm -hmm. you went through. But at that age, a tantrum should be five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe 15. So then, of course, we're concerned, like, is our child EH, emotionally handicapped? ODD all sorts of things, yeah,
1: um, so we I voiced these concerns to the pediatrician, and I got, oh no, no, everything is fine. He's just a boy. Sometimes they get overly excited and really emotional about things and the tantrums will go away. just sort of ignore. It. and I was like,
0: we're concerned about <laughs> self-injurious behavior exactly I was like B. do you
1: see the bites on his arm? He is doing this to himself. This is important you need to take this seriously no 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 they all do this it's fine i was like no they don't actually all do this. no no no.
0: you're hypersensitive because you you're, worked you're in just this a field mom before
1: and you yeah. don't really know what you're talking about and i'm the doctor and i do know what i'm talking about was this sounds familiar for what, our, like, I got.
0: what we're going through with covid right now like no 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 you're you don't know anything you're just a coach we're mds it's like great good for you
1: yeah sure um
0: Nothing against MDs. I mean, just, it's just like a good MD though will listen to experts in other fields so we can get a multidisciplinary approach. Right. Just like a good psychologist will listen to other disciplines.
1: Yeah. So we also, um, with kid number two, we also noticed that he would play with the same toys over and over and over again. And it's he wasn't engaging in imaginative play. He was taking, like, cars. He actually still does this. He will take a car and he will put it in front of his eyes and he will spin the wheel non-stop and just spin and spin and spin and spin and spin spin the wheel that's it he wouldn't like put them on the ground and make them go room and go over racetracks or anything like when i
0: was growing up we called them adventures yeah but there was imagination there you're creating your own Mm storylines it wasn't that it was either what we call stimmy and stimming and playing off the stimulation Mm -hmm. of just seeing it spin which Mm -hmm. now they have fidget spinners Or the other... They didn't have those when he was really little. Nope. The other thing he would do is if he saw a movie, and this actually came a little bit later from the age level we're talking about right now, he would watch a movie like he'd watch the movie from... uh, Is it Disney or Pixar's? I can't remember if Pixar was part of Disney or away from Disney. It doesn't matter. They're back again, whatever. The movie Cars... Uh, He had all the characters, and he would reenact scene by scene. There was no uh, imagination. There was no creation of his own dialogue, his own storyline. It was just a recreation of what was in the movie.
1: But it wasn't, he didn't use the words from the movie. He used the sounds from the movie. So it would be car crash sounds or like, sounds and that took
0: a while for us to figure out and for me to really look at it and go the placement of all the characters because he had all the various characters Mm -hmm. exactly matched all the scenes and the sounds emulated the sound effects that were going on but not the dialogue
1: and if you stopped him in the middle of this he would get very upset and we would have a temper tantrum over it and when he
0: resumed it was back from the beginning
1: yep right back from the beginning
0: there was no pause and hit play again. It was completely reboot the whole thing. I
1: have to start all over again. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So needless to say, at this point, we are uh, as parents, we're concerned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both we we love our little guy, um, but we're we're concerned and we're worried. And it's like, are we we being those parents who are oversensitive because of our training, and we think something's up with our kid? And our meanwhile, our pediatrician is saying, yes, that's what you guys are. But we also didn't want to be because we know of other people in our field and other fields, too, mm-hmm. who work in, work in the area of uh, autism spectrum disorders where they, they almost turn a blind eye to it because it's like, no, it couldn't be my kid. And it's like <laughs> with the rest of our colleagues and we're looking around like, your kid is so on the spectrum.
1: Yeah. Um, we had when he was, when you took him to Michigan and we had that tiny language explosion that was amazing. Um, but then we, when you came home, after that, like, it sort of continued for a little bit. And then the language explosion just sort of stopped. He didn't ever regress in his language skills, but he never gained more. Like, it took... Well, I actually I mean, he, had he to, did
0: eventually, but it was... It took a while.
1: It, I actually had to work with him to teach him the words in, a, like, a discrete trial setting.
0: He, uh... For things, instead of just... language acquisition went in bursts. Mm-hmm. It was like nothing, nothing, nothing. When we go back to the pediatrician, we think we're speech delayed. And, of course, he'd have another burst. And it was usually right around where they would do the assessment, and like the week before or the week of. It's suddenly like, where the hell did that word come from and all these other yeah. words? But, you know, in the appointment leading up to it, it's like, look, it's been months and we don't have any new words. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, he'd pick up 25, 50 new words, when he like was- overnight.
1: Yeah, when he was three, I finally... They were probably in
0: there somewhere and just he was not expressing them.
1: Mm -hmm. When he was three, I finally did get through to the pediatrician and she agreed to uh, send the referral to whatever the Virginia equivalent of Head Start is so they could um, assess him to see if he qualified for their services. And so I filled out all the paperwork and I sent it in. And then like a week later, this very lovely woman called me and she said, okay, I've reviewed kid number two's paperwork and honestly he's right right on the border and i'm just not seeing enough where he would qualify for our services because he is not delayed enough and i burst into tears and i completely sobbed on the phone and i basically begged this woman to let my kid into the program and she she say
0: on her, her her evaluation scale he was like two points off
1: yeah it was something ridiculous yeah and I was like, but did you hear the part where I'm telling you that he's engaging in self-injurious behavior in these tantrums and the language is not coming along like it's supposed to and we've got stereotopies, and we have this and that? And she said, yeah, but the numbers aren't reflecting that in this scale that we're using. Not so enough. we cannot take him. And at that point, like, I had a meltdown with you. Like, off of the phone, I had a meltdown with you. I completely flipped out. And then a couple of days later, I regrouped, I pulled out my copy of The Ables, and I went through The Ables with my kid. And I was like, okay, we are going to pinpoint the areas that you need to work on specifically, and I'm going to teach you how to do the things.
0: Well, and, and people who listen to our podcast at this point shouldn't be shocked that we did this. Nope. Of course, all along, it wasn't like we were just sitting there passively going, well, our kid's not, no, he's not picking up enough words. Come on, pediatrician, fix it. Like, we were implementing things. Mm-hmm. We were addressing self-injurious behavior because we know how to do that, but we also were going. There's something else going on here. There, we probably need other resources to help us more than we can just do at home, even though you know other specialties need to come help because we were noticing still a deficit in fine motor skills. Yep. But you were working a lot with him on vocabulary. We were both working on him on with him on. Uh, adaptive ways of dealing with the frustration and the aggression that didn't involve self-injurious behavior because it really was coming out of he was frustrated by something. He gets so angry and he would just bite himself. And he he didn't have the words to tell us. Yes, and so Um, part of that was adding the vocabulary, but also...
1: Honestly, once we got the language up to a certain level, the maladaptive behaviors just sort of dropped away. Yes. Um, And that was life-changing and we
0: were working on i mean we've worked you any parent will know you have to work with your kids on fine motor skills so they can feed themselves or mm-hmm. you don't look like you're in a pigsty <laughs> um <laughs> kid two had a lot it was a uh, it took a little bit longer because he was dif- having difficulty both in terms of the fine motor skill development but also developing those muscles to work the utensils mm-hmm. but that was something so there's always something going on at home at all levels as long as he was awake And on top of it, sweetest little guy. He had the cutest little smile. Oh, my
1: gosh. He was like a little tiny chunk, and he had this cute little smile, and he has literally the best giggle any kid in the universe has ever had. It is just perfection. It's wonderful. He still has it. If you really get him laughing, he'll do it, and it's so cute. I
0: still remember. uh, You and Kid One went to a princess birthday party once, Mm. and so the boys, me and my little dude, Went to, I took him out for happy hour. Uh, I got him chicken nuggets and tater tots and chocolate milk, which he absolutely loved. We were watching college football. I had a craft beer and some wings. And uh, it was one of the local um, restaurant breweries down the street from the house. We'd do stuff like that. We'd go have fun. We'd go down to the fish market. We'd pick up crabs and bring them back so we could steam them at the house. He and I would go to the grocery store and we'd pick up ribs and, you know, slow cook him out on the grill he was my little buddy of course kid one's also my buddy we would do projects together too but um it's number one son he you know just like number one daughters number one kid is special too they're all special in their own way
1: yeah and like we we did the normal things like we would take him to the park and we'd play in the sandbox and we would do things we'd go to the um,
0: national zoo went to the national mall a lot went to the museums yeah Baseball games. It's not
1: like we stayed holed up at home. That's not good was, for anyone. We were out so. in the
0: DC area, so it was nice, like, oh, it's a nice day. Let's go to a Nats game. It was before they were winning and they would lose all the time. So it's like, take the whole family for <laughs> thirty bucks or forty bucks. And yeah. there we go.
1: Um, but it was, you know, a little bit worrying when we'd go out into the world and he would do something a little bit odd. Something not quite normal, even though there is no normal. I know that, but just outside of the norm. Um,
0: Sound effects?
1: I would, yeah. He, he makes with his fingers? Noises often. He has a vocal stereotypy that he still engages in, usually when he's tired or really anxious about something. Um, but when he was a toddler, he would do it all the time. And so we would be like at the park and he would just be sitting there doing like nothing else other than making these interesting car noises or um once or when f- a
0: little another little kid would probably be like hi I'm whatever Bobby mm-hmm. what's your name yeah
1: it just it was strange or like somebody he would decide that he wanted to play with a kid and instead of going up to them and saying hi I'm kid number two or hi want to play he would run up to them and go bah and just like make a sound at them with a funny little face. And the kid would look at them and at him and just sort of like back away slowly and then run away. Um, and that as a parent is really, really heartbreaking yes. to see it. Um, and also it's when your kid acts like this, like if you're in a restaurant and suddenly your kid decides to like get up and just start spinning around in a circle and making car noises in the middle of the restaurant, it's really embarrassing and it's really hard to deal with. And you know everybody is staring at you, and they are judging you.
0: Look, we're behavioral psychologists. We've worked clinically in this field. But when it's your kid, and you've had a long day, and you just want to go out to dinner, and it just it weighs on you.
1: Yep, it does.
0: And it's frustrating when you're at the grocery store, and they use appropriate language in an inappropriate way, such as the checkout car- cashier that has an eye patch, and he's like, look, that guy's a pirate. Yarrrgh. It's like, wow, those are good words, and it's appropriate point because he has an eye patch, but boy, that's kind of offensive. not a good time for that. So then you have to go through and explain it all, and blah, 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 but it doesn't, you know, while your face is bright red. You're trying not to cry. Or I was trying not to laugh. Okay, well, I usually would
1: try not to cry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're trying not to cry. I'm not trying not to laugh. We're both trying to do that teachable parenting moment there. Uh, At least the guy was kind of cool about it. Like, you could tell he was pissed off. Because he's probably heard it for the umpteenth time that day. Probably. Yeah, and this is this is still we're still talking like three age three years of, old, three and four and under. Hmm. Three, because
1: this was still when we lived in Virginia. That's true. We turned four right when we moved here. Yeah. That's true. So then we moved to Michigan, and he turned four like two days after we moved here or something.
0: Oh, That's true. Yeah.
1: And when we it moved, was like
0: the week we just yeah. arrived.
1: And yeah. so when we moved here, we were like, yes he's going to go to preschool because he's four and he can do that. And it's going to be amazing. And it was not amazing. It was kind of awful. And we had the preschool teacher. <laughs> she would be like.
0: Well, and let's, let's put the caveat here. The preschool teacher and the preschool is and was a good preschool. It's phenomenal. The teacher is amazing. She
1: is the best preschool teacher I have ever encountered in my entire life. If yes. I could clone her and have her at every single preschool in the entire country, I would do that.
0: I am very thankful. Uh, n- even though, like, kid one was in kindergarten, kid two was in preschool. Eventually, kid three came along, and he went to preschool, and he had that same teacher. We're hoping kid four gets her next year. But on top of it, her daughters have been on my track and cross-country team. Yeah. So I get to interact with her more because she is a just an awesome educator. Yep. And fun to have as one of the parents on helping the team.
1: Yeah, she is one of my favorite humans on the planet, for sure. Um, but she had a really rough time with our kid because he like he loved preschool. He thought it was the coolest thing ever because it was this fun room and it was packed full of toys. And she had cars, and he just had a bus and like trucks and all kinds of things with wheels. And so he would walk into preschool, he'd throw stuff wherever it was in the coat room. And then he would come over and say, I'm going to play with cars. And he would sit down and immediately start playing with cars. And then he wouldn't want to stop playing with cars. But they had to stop. And she would take the cars away. And then he would sort of explode in a tantrum in preschool. And And he
0: was the youngest kid in that class? Yeah. So there was also some preschool bullying, which she did great of addressing. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, the, the oldest kid in the class was relatively speaking he was i don't want to call the pick on the five-year-old and call him a bully but it was bully type behavior at the four and five-year-old level and and kid number two is like what's going on because he's used to being at home with his big sister who i mean she was a little bit bossy but loved him very much and and then
1: very tolerant of him
0: and kid number three his little brother and his mom and his dad and suddenly he's like this is a new experience for me which is not what he actually said but (laughs) he had a rough go out but it's learning those group dynamics which is why you go to preschool is really to learn the social skills and also to learn to write and do that pincher grip which he was at that point was basically taking a crayon in his fist yep stabbing at the page and like okay color this picture so he'd take the blue crayon and do one swipe and it's like it's color
1: or one like dot on the on the white page and it would just be that one little speck of color and he would say done and they were like what do you mean you're done this is not even close to being done so, so we, they did like a lot of gradual work with a him a lot so many baby steps so much reinforcement to get with him to be able to color saint. just even the tiniest bit of the page more than a dot <laughs>
0: And we'd go in for conferences and the other the other parents get the ten or fifteen minutes and part of that is just five minutes going, Well, we have nothing else to talk about. We'd go in and they're like, Okay, we've been in here an hour <laughs> Yeah. Talking about everything and it's like, All right, what do we do now? And then he went on to TK transitional kindergarten, which is we used to call it junior kindergarten, mm-hmm. but I uh, had another amazing teacher and she was working through those stuff. And she's so like, good. and she had was aware of a lot of other resources in the communities so that she's like, try this, try that. Yes. And. Um, okay. Once again, they're like, have you ever had him assessed? And I'm like, well, we've tried. Uh, we tried in Virginia, but he was a few points off, So we'll try again. So then it's like, okay, well let's go through the pediatrician and let's get a neuropsych consult because that's part of the steps here in Michigan to get your kid you know, see, check for autism or some other, uh, you know, maybe he's dyslexic and we don't know or Yeah. What, what's going on? So we go to the pediatrician and they, they recommend a name. And of course we were new back in the area, but I, I asked my parents cause they know everybody in the area and they're like, Oh yeah, that's a former Taekwondo student of ours. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. Very nice person. Very good. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, cool. I guess this person's fine. We contact them. They're like, well, I'm, I'm on kind of like the glide pattern coming in for the landing and towards retirement. I'm not usually taking on new clientele, but I see your last name. Do you know? And she names my parents. I'm like, yes, those are my parents. Oh, they were just so fabulous at the Taekwondo School. For them, yes, I'll do it. I'll come in and do the assessment. I don't take insurance. I'll take a check. Yep. Like, Okay.
1: We, you know, that should have been like a really that big flag. That should have been flag the red flag there. should have said, no, this is not right.
0: So she comes into the home and she does a full day. Uh, and
1: I specifically told her, I think this kid is on the spectrum. I want you to do the ADOS with him.
0: Well, we also said we want the final report needs to be something that we can then take and dovetail into an intervention team, a multidisciplinary intervention team at the school. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be written in such a way that... Uh, it's not just in technical neuroscience language. It needs to be written in a way that the uh, social worker, the guidance counselor, the the OT, everything everybody uh can understand what you're talking about so that then we can hit this on multiple fronts. Yep. So she goes in, does an entire day, an eight hour day hours. Eight hours with and a he was four assessment. And it was a rough day for him because what four-year-old can concert? even neurotypical four-year-old is going to make it through eight hours of intensive one-on-one testing without breaks they're sitting in our library because we're nerds and we have a library in our house where like you know one wall is just solid books it's a one big bookcase another wall has a couch and another bookcase and Mm -hmm. diplomas all over the wall and everything and they're just sitting in there at a uh, a small table actually it was like a little tiny four-person card card table. table Doing assessments all day long.
1: I had to go outside. I was hysterical because my kid was in there screaming and crying, like pounding on the doors to get out. And the big French I was, doors, with yep. glass. Yeah, I was not allowed to go everywhere. in at all. I was not. He was allowed out to eat lunch, and that was it. Then we had to wrestle him to get him back in there, and it was honestly a nightmare.
0: When it was done, we got the. She's like, "Well, it's going to take me a few weeks to uh, compile the full results, but here's just the kind of like the the quick after action report and her initial thoughts. So then we sat for a few more hours going through that. And right there we knew something was up. So she's given it to us and keep in mind, we're sitting there sitting across the little card table from her in a room where one wall is. Now some of those books are Harry Potter and some of them are children's books, but two and a half full bookcases of just academic journals. And this is floor to ceiling bookcases, academic journals, psychology textbooks, other books, books I've written, books I've edited, you know, just all sorts of diplomas. Like, the
1: diplomas are on the wall. They five psychology invisible. diplomas
0: between the two of us, framed and hanging, and she's li- giving us a line of just complete bull
1: She told us. I'm going to
0: have to edit that later.
1: I don't know. It's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. No, I, I'm not editing out the what it was. Oh. Just I'll have to bleep out the bulls.
1: She told us our kid had some disorder that I literally had never heard of before in my entire life. I'd never heard of it in practice. I've never heard any other professional, not just a behavior analyst, but a speech pathologist, a physical therapist, an OT, nobody else had ever uttered.
0: So then we what started digging into like what assessment tool did you use? And she starts listing off these the assessment tool, the primary and the other the secondary and the tertiary ones she was using and we're like What the hell are those? Like, you know, while we are not specializing in neuropsych, Mm -mm. we've had, you know, we've had graduate training. We've worked in the area of autism before. We've sat in on intervention teams for clients for years, you more than I, but I had done it too. I'm like, I've never heard of this crap. Uh, I've had clients come in from other areas, from other schools, other parts of the country, and I've gone through their case files. I've never heard of these assessment tools before. Yep. So we're, we're pouring through it. And then it's like, okay, well, what kind of diagnosis do you think you're gonna, he's going to come out of this with? Well, that's not how I do it. He's like a, a level 36A. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, I'm trying hard so to keep like, uh, So, like, we we said... need, I need something out of the DSM. Yeah. I think we were at DSM 4 at that point. It, it, they're at the 5 now. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever edition of the DSM it, we were at, The like, I need something out of this book. Because then at least the uh, colleagues of the other disciplines can at least look at it, read the description, and dovetail it into what their specialty does. Mm
1: -hmm. And she said, oh, it's not in there. And you and I looked at each other and we were just like completely dumbfounded.
0: oh my God, we just gave this woman hundreds of dollars and and, and stressed out our four-year-old for a pile of garbage.
1: So then I asked her, well, how do you treat it? Tell me what we can do. To alleviate the symptoms of it or to make it completely go away. And she goes, oh, well, you have to go see this uh, eye doctor down the road on this particular street. And he does the specialized vision therapy and it will fix everything. And I was like,
0: oh, and she's also like, I'm retiring, but I'll be willing to take on this patient. And like, only I can do the treatment. Only
1: I Just me. Uh, Like, seriously, this is not a joke. She literally said this to us. Only I can fix your sin. I was
0: trained by the guy who er, developed this uh, assessment tool and validated it and came up with the treatment that goes into it. And I'm the only one left because he is retired and passed on. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one left in the world who can do this. I'm like, oh, crap. And not, oh, crap, like, oh, she's the one and only, and she's retiring. It's, oh, crap, I've got a quack in my library. Yeah. So she left. Uh, we got the the written report um, four weeks later mm-hmm. in a manila envelope that was left under our doormat.
1: A wet doormat.
0: A wet doormat. It had been raining on a Saturday, so we were both home. We were in the house. She did not ring the doorbell. She did not knock on the door. She came up to the door, put it underneath the doormat, and ran away. And we had, were leaving later that evening. Like, I had been out early in the morning. There was nothing there. And I went out that evening we were heading out to I think we were going for a walk or something and suddenly there's something underneath the doormat. So at some point in the, on a Saturday she came by and we were all upstairs on the main floor that whole day cuz we were cooking and we had college football on and we were just doing family stuff. She just snuck by stuck a a sensitive document assessing our child's behavior, uh, development, I mean it's a neuropsych report. And left it underneath a doormat,
3: mm-hmm.
0: not protected from the weather, not protected from anybody else, and took off. So it took us a while to even like open that. We were so furious the way it was delivered. We were furious the way it ran. We knew it was going to be garbage. How long did it take us before we actually opened the damn thing? It was
1: a couple of days. And then when we did open it, there was a whole bunch of religious stuff in it, oh, so which good. I like went through the roof. Like I'm not against religion or anything. It's great. It's wonderful to have th- faith. You absolutely should. I do not want it in my child's medical assessments. I do
0: not want it in his neuropsych consult. I, I
1: don't want it in there. I don't want it in like standard medicine. I I don't do not put your religious beliefs into anything related to official documents. I just it yeah. shouldn't be in there.
0: If I go in and I have a sports hernia and I go to the doctor, I don't want. I want them to actually check me for a sports hernia. I don't want them to say, well, first let's pray about it. And I actually away. went
1: to a doctor once for like strep throat and she was like, Okay, I'm gonna write you this prescription. Here you go. And now was it
0: a Hail Mary and like no, three our fathers? No.
1: She gave me the prescription, and she goes, and now we're gonna pray because it's also gonna help heal you. And I was like, oh, I'm never coming back here. No. Just give me the medicine so that like drugs can fix it. Yeah. The end. Look,
0: when I go to a medical doctor or a psychologist or something, I'm looking for something clinical, cut and dry, scientific. If I want faith, I'll go to a priest at church. I'm not going to the priest saying I broke my arm, set it. <laughs> you know, it's like going to the mailman and going, "Yeah, I'd like the, I'd like a rump roast and some pork chops, and can you clean this deer I just shot and everything." <laughs> it's like, you know, you go to the right person. I would go to the mailman, give me my mail. I'll mm-hmm. go to the butcher <laughs> for a rack of ribs. Yeah. Uh,
1: it just, it was, it was so incredibly frustrating because. We had this pile of garbage, we spent boatloads of money on it, and we couldn't even turn it into the school. It was completely useless. Um, So the pediatrician actually reached out to me a couple of weeks after we got the assessment and said, how did it go? What were the findings? I didn't get a copy of it, so if you want to give me a copy, that'd be really good. And I told him, I was like, let me tell you about this person that you recommended to me. And by the time I was done, she was apologizing profusely and was like, I'm so sorry. I've never had anybody complain about her." I mean, our position before. was
0: that if she wasn't retiring and if we got wind that she wasn't retiring, we were going to go after her license.
1: Yeah, it, it was that bad. That's not something that we say lightly at all. Like, no, it's a super serious thing. As one
0: professional and another, we, we you, you know, you can be mad at somebody. You can be not happy with the way they do their work and stuff, but you don't go after their license and their livelihood. From what we, we know, we were her last client, so it's at that point, it's like, well, we're, it becomes insult to injury in terms of going after her license at that point, but if she was going to continue to practice, it was like, we were going to go after her, um, mm-hmm. to which, as far as I know, she's done. Yeah. We were the last ones to suffer that horrific so, experience. Pardon me, I need a, mm-hmm. I need a sip. <laughs>
1: It's a hell of a sip.
0: It was a hell of a sip. It was a hell of an experience. It's bad memories. I it, mean, it
1: is. It's still like we're very angry right now. Yeah. I think I might be just as worked up now as I was then. Um, so we're back to square one again. Like We have to start all over again at the pediatrician basically begging him to send us for assessments. And he told me no again.
0: Well, he told you no. And so we we went round and round with this for a while. Meanwhile, we got to school going, something's not right. What are you guys going to do? They're being very patient with us. Yeah. And they were working very hard and doing their best as he moved through TK, went up to kindergarten, first grade. We we lucked out uh, through there. Some of the some of the some of them were the best teachers we've ever seen. The first grade teacher was oh, amazing, phenomenal. The TK teacher was the probably just one of the best professionals we've seen. She's moved on to being the resource teacher, which was we really fortunate. are
1: so very lucky that we had the TK teacher that we did because the, she worked with him. So much.
0: So the first grade teacher who was, and like we've, we've had first grade teachers. there mm-hmm. are other kids have had first grade teachers. She might have been one of my favorite first grade teachers. Mm-hmm. I am going to share a story. That is not why I think she's one of the best first grade teachers our kids had. It was just one of those memorable moments. We went in at the end of the year uh, with a meeting with her, the principal, the uh, some various other specialists, the school psychologist, the uh, social worker, the, who was the teacher that was gonna be the second grade teacher and we're waiting to have a meeting and we're waiting for the uh principal to show up from car duty and the teacher she's like yeah just go sit in my room at the table
2: mm-hmm.
0: we're sitting there and i'm just sitting there looking around the room as we sit in the little tiny first grade chairs with our <laughs> knees up and I look over and like you know the kids have like they're the open uh, end of the desk so you could see inside and you can see the cool like different pencil boxes and glitter and like well okay that kid's kind of snazzy, and that kid. And then we look at the one. It's like that kid's got a crown royal bag. <laughs> so the teacher comes in, and we're laughing hard. And she's like, "Well, you guys are pretty happy to be here." I'm like, um, "No, not judging." And you know, we're, we know we're pretty laid back parents, and we're pretty open minded. But whoever that kid is, is got probably the coolest first grade pencil box ever. She's like, "What?" I'm like, "Go cool look in his desk. Have you not noticed?" She's like, "Oh my god! Please say my <laughs> boss hasn't been in here yet." <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, we kept it a little secret. speaking of which
0: one of the hockey players walked in the rink the other night
1: yeah
0: uh and i was it was not the night i played it was monday night and uh i was out there watching i don't know one of our kids was playing uh, it must have been um kid two who we're talking about right now was on the ice and the ab league was walking in and a guy that i used to play with in the c over 40 league because he's over 40 was walking in do you know what he had for a mask
1: was it a crown royal mask
0: it was a cut-off Crown Royal bag just so it was like multiple layers of the head vent. You could tell it was been cut and then sewn That's and it hilarious. had the, like the gold cords were very around nice. his ears. And it was very much the Crown Royal embroidered thing. That and, like, is wonderful. I couldn't stop laughing. I
1: bet. <laughs> anyway, moving excellent.
0: on. So we're going back and forth with the pediatrician because now he's like, well, I sent you for a consult. I'm not going to immediately send you for another one even though he apologized that it was complete bullshit. I need to believe that again. Um... So, and the school's like being patient, and we're trying to do as much as we don't. We're trying to do accommodation. We got to first grade, he's doing standardized testing. We find out, oh crap, he's got buddies in there who were finishing it. And, and then he quickly mark, fills out the thing as much as he can and throws his arms in the air and goes, done. It's like, his teacher was like, no, no it's a race. <laughs> so, one of the accommodations was, okay, you're going to do your standardized testing in a room, you know, down in the media center by yourself.
1: There's a teacher. I mean, there there's
0: a it. teacher monitoring. He was either the librarian or the social worker or it's somebody. Social
1: worker, not the librarian.
0: A librarian did it once or twice too. Okay, but they had an adult down there watching. But no other uh, classmates and fun or classmates and whatnot that keep an eye on it. But, I mean, I did like it because he's he's got it some, cued into some social aspects because, somewhere between kindergarten and TK, we also sent him to social skills camp and had some fun there. I don't. I, I think he got something out of it. He was also going to OT, which also helped with the fine motor skills and the pincher grip so he could start writing.
1: Yeah, that was the only reason we took him to OT. I was actually super nervous about it because I, you know, I don't fully understand everything that the occupational therapists do, um, particularly with regards to weighted vests or the squeezes or um, some of the other treatments that they have. I just don't understand the science behind it. And, and that's okay. Um, but when I did finally agree to send our kid to OT, I sat down with this therapist and I was like, look, I am a behavior analyst. And she went, oh, and I said, yeah, and I have questions and there are some things that I would prefer you do not do with my son. And so she and I had like a long chat and I agreed to let her do some things like she did the squeezes with him. I still to this day have no idea what purpose they served I, my kid liked it he seemed to enjoy the little like arm massage he got but I don't think it had any effect on his behavior but she did do a ton of work on his fine motor skills she brought out the um, therapy putty and it's actually pretty cool because there are graduated steps with it so you start off with a really easy-to-manipulate putty, and then you gradually work your way up to the harder putties where you really have to dig your fingers in to pull it apart and to mush it. I um, mean, you are really having to use your muscles, and I thought that was just great. Um, and she also worked on that pincher grip. And
0: Around this time, too, uh, we noticed with um, well, with the quack that did that stupid assessment, was really recommending that, and she had asked what activities he did, and he was, uh, he was just getting into skating and hockey. Uh, he, she knew his grandfather taught taekwondo. So, of course, she recommended skating, hockey, taekwondo for physical activities to build those muscle skills. Uh, which, of course, we didn't turn into the accountant to help justify paying for those <laughs> things. But uh, on top of it, though, with OT, they also agreed keep him in hockey, develop some muscle skills, some coordination. So, like, cool. We kept hearing this. The pediatrician was cool with him playing hockey. He's like, yeah, keep that up. Something. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, looking back too. and we've mentioned this, and we've mentioned this, too, like, we just changed schools. I mean, I'm jumping ahead of the story, but the friends he has at the school right now are all friends he has from hockey. Yeah. Uh, so, kudos to hockey this is around the time we started hockey of course there's some tantrums in that we still the school, we still don't have a diagnosis at this point we we're working with the school we've got some accommodations informally we don't have any formal write-up
1: we did get the school to do the connor's rating scale because it had been suggested in our quack of an assessment that he um, had adhd <laughs>
0: And to which our initial response was, "No, not our kid." Which is all along, we're like, we don't want to be those parents and those totally professionals those that go, parents. "No, like, things. no, I
1: don't think so." But we did it with him, and the results came back, and they were like blaringly ADHD. Um, so we did take him. You and I debated Pardon for me. I'm, uh,
0: getting a refill here.
1: You and I debated for a long time what to do with that diagnosis, um, and we finally agreed to try meds. And it that took us was, a few years, and they actually it did. When took we, us a few years.
0: When we tried meds, uh, we went to the pediatrician. We got them. And then we decided not to tell the school. We mm-hmm. decided he got a, a dose in the morning. He got a dose after school. We started it on sp- during spring break. We had we had gotten it uh, a week or two before spring break. And we decided, okay, as soon as spring break starts, we're starting this. So that we've got a full week and actually both weekends a- on the bookends. Mm-hmm to see what change happens in him and it was
1: it was like somebody flipped a light switch it was amazing and it was almost immediate we um so we really like movies in our house and kids one three and four will sit down and watch a movie kid number two will sit for about 10 minutes and then he's up and he's moving around he's playing with different things and he's wandering around the house and then he comes back and sort of watches but not really But we started the medicine, we turned on a movie, and he, like, came in and said, oh, you're watching a movie. And he sat down on the couch, and he literally sat there for the entire duration of the movie, paid attention to the movie, and asked questions about it. He has never done that before.
0: Also during that spring break, because it's so much of, a lot of our spring breaks where we all suddenly get sick over spring break, Mm -hmm. we were playing card games and he used to be, and he, he still gets this way where he doesn't want to lose, so he gets frustrated and leaves. That's a different, that's different, but there were times where he would refuse to play with us, or if he did, it was just the Monopoly syndrome of I'm going to toss the board. <laughs> Only he was like, you know, one or two rounds in for Uno. Mm-hmm. We definitely couldn't play Monopoly, but he played hand over hand. I mean, we had to keep reshuffling the deck. And uh, especially since kid one, oh, she's... <laughs> instead of playing a card she could play, she would draw like 25 because she wanted to make sure like, oh, I have a card I can play, but it's going to help the person next to me, but it's the only one I can play. No, I'll draw 25 just to try to stick it to them when it's like, okay, you now have the whole deck, so this game's going to take forever. <laughs> but he played and he was attentive. Like he
1: was into it. He it was, was amazing.
0: It. So we sent him back to school. And we kept track of all the reports like we, we had been. We had been tracking for a while because we wanted to make sure we didn't, you know, if they said, well, he's been having rough days or whatever. It's like, really? Because the note home says mm-hmm. it's amazing. So when we, when we had to tell the teachers and like especially in kindergarten and first grade and second grade, whatever you're doing in school, let us know. We will dovetail what's going on at home to it. So there are follow up consequences. So, like, he knew they had a, a stoplight program where it was, like, what was it? Blue or purple, blue, green, yellow, orange, red. It had a lot know. of colors. It a lot of colors. He knew that if he got on yellow, it we'd have a conversation. If he was on orange or red, which red usually also meant you were in the principal's office, <clears throat> there were consequences at home.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, we heard all, like. How today go? What color are you on? First thing we heard is like, well, so-and-so was on yellow. I'm like, I don't care about so-and-so. They're not my kid. <laughs> what were you on? Green? Blue?
1: Yeah, no. Once but we... we would
0: we would track those, not just out of his self-report. The teacher had it in there, too. Mm-hmm. Because we it wasn't that we didn't trust the t- the teacher of the year. You know, well, I'm not saying they got the teacher of the year, but whatever the teacher was that year, we also know how perception is. And we go into conferences. So we wanted the data, the show... If it was like they were having just a bad week or a bad day with him, they go, God, oh, I just can't take him anymore. He's just every day. It's like, really? Because here's what you've sent home, but which we didn't run into, but we were prepared because, mm-hmm. as with our field, and the T-shirt that they sell at the Florida conference got data. Well,
1: and I think at the schools that we were trained at, that was a very common occurrence. Yes. And those particular teachers used to get really mad when we'd pull out a pile of data that said, no, actually. <laughs>
0: but we did track, and, um, and we actually went in for that end-of-the-year meeting with the teachers and everything. i like, mm-hmm. did you notice any changes in his behavior throughout the year? And the teacher's like, well, no, no, not too much. Well, I mean, towards the end of the year, he really was doing excelling. I think it, what I was doing in the classroom was really working, and it was all taken off. And I'm like, really, when did you really notice it kind of turned a corner? And I think she's like, I think it all clicked for him after spring break. I think he really bought into what I was doing. And you and I are like almost laughing at this point. We're like, "Yeah, we put him on Adderall after on Spring Break."
1: Yeah, and like his handwriting improved drastically. <laughs> he could suddenly write in cursive. Suddenly,
0: like they were doing, they they were starting to move into the next grade level of math, and suddenly he was doing that better than he was doing the grade level math for three quarters of the year.
1: Yep. And and the, the, the teacher, teacher she we just sucked like, the life oh, out of her. Oh, yeah. it's not me. It's the. Medicine.
0: But it was kind of fun and like. I think we had tipped off one of the other uh, professional specialists at the table beforehand. She also was getting ready to laugh because, like, this teacher was having too much fun tooting your own horn, and it, you know, it wasn't all her. No. I'm not saying that it wasn't partially her because we can't prove that either, but uh, it was not 100% her. Nope. That brings us up to second grade. So now we got a second. We're wrapping up second grade. We still don't have a diagnosis other than ADHD. Because mm-hmm. the pediatrician's like, yeah, he's ADHD. Here's a script. Uh, like That like took five minutes.
1: Well, that and I, you know, I told the pediatrician, hey, that's great that he has ADHD and that these meds are working for that. Um, let's talk about these temper tantrums that he is still having. And let's talk about these stereotypies that he's engaging in. And let's talk about the social these... skill deficits. Yes, And the the there's social some skills.
0: communication and some speech things. And the language. And, yeah.
1: And he was like, no, 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 it's ADHD. And finally... I made an appointment right now. I I did. I was so angry at that man. You're so angry right now. Made an appointment and I told the secretary. I said I need to see him in his office. Awake because it was a well check for kid number one and kid number two, and I did not want either of them to hear this conversation. So I said I need five minutes with him in his office outside of the exam room, and they said okay, no problem. So I got him in his room, and I said I need you to write me a referral up to uh, DeVos Children's Hospital in Grand Rapids for to get this kid assessed for autism. I am almost 100% positive he is on the spectrum somewhere. And the pediatrician looked at me and he said, no, he's not on the spectrum. I'm not going to write that for you. And I looked him in the eye and I said, you are not listening to me. You are going to write me this referral right now or I am going to fire you. And he said, yes, I'm going to write you that referral right now okay, do you need anything else? And I was like, nope, that's it. Let's go well check. Mm-hmm. And I finally got my referral. So so the whole point of this is if you are a parent and you think that your child is on the spectrum and you cannot get the doctors to listen to you, you are literally going to have to go into mama bear mode. You're going to have to corner them and you are going to have to demand that they give you what you think you need.
0: It's the verbal equivalent of grabbing them by the lapels and putting them nose-to-nose with you and saying, listen here, mother f- you're going to do it. I'm going to have to bleep that too. <laughs> Again, the verbal equivalent, not the physical equivalent. You do the physical equivalent, you're going to jail.
1: Right, um, and if your doctor really won't give you what you need, you need to find a better doctor, one that will actually listen to you and take your con- your concerns into consideration and do what needs to be done so that your kid can get the help that they need. I am beyond livid that we did not have this diagnosis in hand until our kid was nine years old, um, because that's when we finally were able to get into the hospital for the assessment. Well,
0: I'll say, for DeVos to get in there, it was... Once we got the referral and they made the appointment, it was like six months of waiting to get in, or eight months.
1: Somewhere between six and nine months. I don't remember which one. It was
0: almost, you know, more than half a year. Mm -hmm. So we eventually get in, we go... Now, I will say for that one... um, Give me a minute. I need a sip. And then uh, we'll have it. Different experience this time. So just one moment. <clears throat> oh my, Jessica. Should I give you the advice from church with when it comes to wine? Sip, don't chug. No. This kind of this whole story is definitely a, a wine chugging kind of story.
1: For sure. For chisel. Yeah.
0: So our kid finally gets a referral to DeVos, and that's nothing on DeVos. That was all on our pediatrician, not wanting to do the referral.
1: To be fair, there is a really long wait across well, uh, the country no, no, for this.
0: There is. Uh, getting the referral was a pain with our pediatrician. The wait time from once we got the referral to getting our appointment is just because there's a backlog because there's a Big demand, incredible need for this. But the referral itself was all on our pediatrician.
1: I would have fired the pediatrician years ago, except there's basically only two pediatricians in town. And I actually used to see the other one as a patient when I was little and was to be growing fair, the one up here.
0: Our kids go to are the one is the pediatrician I went to when I was a kid. Yeah,
1: but like I didn't love my pediatrician. So I thought mm, I'm not going to take my kids to see somebody I don't particularly so like. So side
0: note, there are some other pediatricians uh, right now. And I've, I've talked about in the other podcasts, the drama we've gone through with my cross country team and the fact that we were shut down and we had a few physicians on the return to school committee expunging their their professional opinions but they didn't take any other disciplines in, in mental health community application or community uh, implementation community programs all sorts of things uh finance anything you know it was just these ones that are parents of elementary parents not even middle school one of them i one of the people on the committee who's not a physician has a middle schooler but I didn't talk to high school parents who are physicians or ones who work in the ER because they're like, oh, there's no high school parents who are physicians like the hell there aren't. Um, And uh, so it it pretty much became and they were speaking in the virtual town halls and all the families know that, okay, these four physicians are absolutely against sports during a year of COVID. Very, very clear. Fast forward, I got some kids who need you needs know, cross country. Like, oh, okay, oh, some of this is sore. All right, go see the trainer. And I email the department secretary. Yeah, so and so needs an appointment, or just tell me what day the trainer's coming. They're like, well, the trainer's not coming because you're the only sport in action. I'm like, okay, well, fine. They keep, you know they always can go make appointments for free over at the uh, at the clinic. Uh, this, this the see athletic training. Like, no, 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 we didn't get a contract this year because. We don't have fall sports in action like we well, have for fall sports in action now because you've got volleyball practicing in the gym. They just can't compete. You got cross country in competition. So sign the contract. We've had these contracts in place forever. No, we're not going to get one because you're not football. Is this they didn't say those words, but essentially that's what it came down to. So, you know, talk to the parents, tell them to send their kids to the pediatrician. So I called the parents and like, OK, uh, just send your kid to the pediatrician or get them a referral to the sports trainers who are part of the same medical group. Parents come back. Yeah, my my uh, kid's pediatrician is one of the four doctors who came out against uh, sports so we're not going to go see them and tell them that our kid uh, wore the wrong, wore his lawn mowing shoes running and has a sore Achilles tendon because we're afraid they'll shut down the entire program. Another kid is like, yeah, my kid uh, rolled his ankle and it's sore. Uh, we're going to take him to the chiropractor because if we take him to the same pediatrician who was very, very much got on her soapbox on the town hall. And so it's like, oh, crap. So getting back to our kid's story, though, it's like there's not a lot of options. There's your pediatrician when you were a kid, mm-hmm. which, by the way, if you leave him and try somebody else and want to come back, he goes, it's like.
1: Yeah, it, he takes it as a personal insult. It's an interesting situation.
0: No doctoring for you. Good day. Come back. Never. <laughs> it's yeah. like I'd say he's a soup Nazi, but he's the pediatrician Nazi. Yes. Then, or you go to my old pediatrician when I was a kid. Or the new young ones coming to town have already taken a political position. I mean, school politics, not politic politics, and the parents are now scared to go see them because they're afraid they'll shut down the sports program instead of just treating the kid. So there's no good options. So anyway, long tangent, but it gave you a break so you could <laughs> sip, sip some wine and chill out a little bit. So let's get into our our, our adventure. Long wait to get into DeVos over you and I and kid number uh, two are in the car on a snowy day racing up there as fast as rush hour traffic into Grand Rapids will allow us mm-hmm. for an 8 a.m. appointment up in Grand Rapids.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We hand in some paperwork and it's we filled it all out. And so they didn't get the the full background on us, our education, our backgrounds, our behavior analysis background. Until we arrived at 8 a.m. And, of course, like every other appointment, you show up and you have to wait in the waiting room. But we only had to wait, what, 10 minutes? If that. And we go into the first appointment. And it was it was going to be a a day of going in to see the different specialists.
1: Yeah, it was a series of three appointments.
0: And we went into the first one. The first one was a pediatrician. hmm But I... he had a psych background also. Yeah, he was like a... Pediatric the, um... psych, but also... He was an MD. I
1: think he was a behavioral pediatrician, which are the most amazing types of pediatricians. He
0: did an amazing job.
1: Oh, yeah. He was phenomenal. Like, I was ready to say, hey, will you just be our pediatrician from now on? We'll we just come w- we to Grand Rapids. We won't mention Reffins.
0: his last name, but his first name was Mario. So, he was Dr. Mario. So, Dr. first Mario. off, you and I are laughing because we're thinking of the Mar- uh, Super Mario Brothers version of Tetris with the little colored pills. Yes. It's-a mm-hmm. me, Dr. Mario. Dr. Mario. And uh, he had a little Mario and Luigi cars in his. He actually had a doctor's bag, a little black doctor's right. bag. It's so cute! And he's pulling toys out of it, and he, so he did the physical and the medical. Um...
1: He asked every single right question. Like in my wildest dreams, he, I, I had a whole series of questions that I hoped that we would finally be asked so that I could answer them, and he hit every single one of those things, and I was so happy. And at the end of it, he was like...
0: Well, and he wasn't just asking kid number two. Right. He was asking you. He was asking me. He was asking about our backgrounds. He was asking about our family's histories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not our observations, but also like, you know, is, is dad a little off? Is mom a little off? What's yeah. going on? Mm-hmm. Then about the siblings. He did a great job. It's phenomenal. When we left that room, they had a nurse who uh, escorted us to the next suite of specialists we had to go to. And as we're going, she had already read our profile. She's like, it's so great. You're both behavior analysts. And wow. We and she
1: said, I so admire the work that you guys do because both of my grandchildren are on the spectrum. And I what I love most about ABA therapy is that each of them has their own little specifically tailored for them um, intervention. And I was like, "Yeah, that's that's how we do it because no two kids are the same, and everybody reacts differently to different interventions, and they need skill acquisition in different areas." So she was just so happy; yeah. it was great.
0: So we went in, we did speech and language, and they let off with of the same thing: "Oh, behavior analysts are so few of you, like in this part. We know there's a bunch down in Kalamazoo, but in Michigan's kind of behind the times when it comes to behavior analysts." But they're going, on like, we would love to work with you in a family like yours because we're sure you're running stuff at home, which we're like, yes, we are. And we talked about that a little bit. And then they got into the full-blown assessment. And they, of course, had, it was the actual um, speech expert with, she had an intern, a college intern who was doing, going to graduate school. So, mm-hmm. you know, we had multiple people there. And then from there, same nurse, same nurse comes and picks us up mm-hmm. and escorts us to the next one and on down the line yeah. to the day. And we had the, we had the. Psych
1: consult at some point kid number two actually said i really wish i had a piece of paper because i really want to draw right now and she said oh do you like to draw and he said yes i like to make comics and she said okay wait right here and she ran off into an office and she came back with this little like sketch pad for him and a pencil and he was so happy for the rest of the day and i was like wow i cannot even believe that you did this for us that is so nice
0: and being a children's hospital, it's it's like when we used to go to the National Children's Hospital um, out in D.C. It's visual stimulating. It's not like cut and dried and looking like a horror movie almost. It's that
1: pale green color. Yeah,
0: there's <laughs> things to look at. There's aquariums. There's TVs everywhere showing Nickelodeon and Disney cartoons. There's and, light
1: installments. Yes. There's touch it, and play centers.
0: There's all sorts of stuff going on. So he was he was having fun, and when we got done, I mean, you and I were in anxious mess. And actually, the last one was hard when he did the psych consult because we couldn't be in the room for that one.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But he came out. You know, we actually had time. We went and down. There was a Starbucks. We got some coffee. Starbucks doesn't sponsor us. It's so just that's what they had down there. People. We needed some coffee.
1: It's been a long morning.
0: (laughs) Long morning because we had a long drive. You know what?
1: We're not apologizing for our coffee consumption.
0: It was a... Well, then it was a snowy drive, too. Yeah, it was scary. And uh, we're done. Wrap up. We actually went... Had a late lunch at uh, Founders. Not a sponsor, but they have yummy food. And we were Mm -hmm. up in Grand Rapids. He enjoyed the food, too. And then we went home to go see the rest of our kids and our family. And several weeks later they so before we left uh they said okay this is how we do this all the different specialists are gonna get together and they're gonna have a meeting about kid two they are gonna share notes and compare everything but they're gonna each write up their piece and then they're gonna have a meeting and pool the findings
1: Mm -hmm. and so she said we're gonna once we get the formal diagnosis written up we're gonna mail it to you but before you get it in the mail I am going to call you on the phone and I will tell you what the diagnosis is. I said, okay, great. That's fantastic. And I think she said that I would hear back in like a week. And it wasn't even four days later when she called. And I took the phone call. I was actually at Girl Scouts when I got that phone call. And I was like, ooh, this one's really important. I need to run outside real quick. And she laid everything out for me on the phone so that nothing was like a surprise when we got the write-up in the mail i already knew it was going to be in there
0: yes in the mail postmarked sealed official looking
1: not under a doormat yes um but yeah it was i was so incredibly happy with the way that devos handled the entire assessment i was happy with the way they handled the results uh everybody had a very lovely bedside manner it, everything was just fantastic
0: and, and part of the follow-up is, I mean, there was there were things in there. He very clearly was on the autism uh, spectrum. Uh, and some of the recommendations, too, on, like, how much ABA therapy he should have. Uh, we looked at like, what the hell? There's not that much available down here. And they're like, no, no, no. We know it's not available down in your area. Which, DeVos is part of the Spectrum Health uh, Network, which just bought out the, um, or merged or whatever. The uh, whatever they they bought the out lakeland lakeland which was the health uh, conglomerate down in our area well now lakeland's part of spectrum but they're like so we're very aware there's not much down by you guys but um we we wrote that up knowing you're bait when we say he needs 20 to 40 hours a week we know he's gonna get all of that at home from yep. you too it's like okay well all right but at least we not one we have a diagnosis one that opens up doors that opens up resources at school, everything else. Does it mean it's any less work for us at home? Absolutely not. This no, is, we're just doing the this same is thing our, that we've always yeah, done. This, this is, is our, our life. life now. This is everything, just to make it the best life for him.
1: It's just official now. It's like a key.
0: It is a key, and it opened up those doors at school because before, especially being at the private schools, if you wanted speech or anything, you got whatever is um, whatever the public school district that the private school fell into. You got whatever was left over. If they had, oh, I've got 10 extra hours a month, then I'll go to the Catholic school. And that gets divvied up between the kids. It wasn't 10 hours. I was like, oh, I have like an hour a month. Not enough. Yeah. Not for our kid, like for all the kids.
1: Exactly. Not enough.
0: So, um, and they're not, they're limited funds. They're not investing in kids with these special needs at this school. So that was challenging for us too. And heart wrenching because that's where our kids go to school. That's where our friends send their kids. That's where I went to school, where my siblings went to school. I think we figured out over the last 42 years, 37 of those had either a, one of me or my siblings or our children collectively out of the four uh, have there's been at least one child or grandchild of my parents at that school. And my sister has worked at that school and I've coached at that school. And my parents have been on the school board at that school and there's a huge investment, but knowing they're just not putting the resources into serving kids with special needs. And I, we're not talking about profound special needs, a, extreme and profound in the clinical sense they're not putting stuff into speech. They're not putting stuff into the resource teachers, the the little supports that could keep these kids there. They're just not doing it. And we're looking like, you know, school's nice, but we love our child more. We got to do what's right for our kid. And ultimately what's right for our family collectively. Mm -hmm. So we had
3: to,
0: we had to make the hard decision and pull them. We go to the public school We have a meeting, and first off, like, and it was also getting frustrating this past summer, too. It was like, well, we need, we're not going to do an IEP. We're going to do an AEP, which is our internal version, and they put it forth, and I'm like, you and I are looking at each other going, these people are doing the best they can, but this is crap.
1: Yeah, it wasn't.
0: Even the principal's pointing out, like, uh, you have, like, it says there's a deadline to have goals done. Oh, we can just put whatever down there. like No. But, no, you can't because you haven't written any goals yet. Yeah. So then we get the goals turned in and it's just like cookie cutter stuff. And like, like that. like...
1: He'll be able to identify emotions by the end of the year. And I was like, he already yeah, he can does. do that. He's, he's really good at yeah, it. He's
0: a little bit overly sensitive to other people's emotions and how they might feel. And he'll mm-hmm. burst into tears because somebody else's feelings might get hurt. This isn't for our kid. You've clearly just cut and pasted something. Again... I don't blame you because that's not your specialty.
1: Right. It's not. Like
0: you shouldn't be the one having to do this. The problem is there's only two resource people Mm -hmm. in the whole school instead of a whole team, a multidisciplinary team. Yep. So we changed schools. We have the meeting uh, for our kid. And there was like nine people on the call.
1: Yeah. Not counting us. Yeah. So like there were two social workers. There was a speech pathologist there was a physical therapist. There was an occupational therapist.
0: School psychologist.
1: School psychologist.
0: The head of special resources for the entire school district.
1: Yep. The principal was there. The teacher was there. I think the vice principal might have been there. Somebody else was there. Guidance counselor. Guidance counselor was there. And then the resource teacher was there.
0: I mean, everybody was like, on. They
1: were all there. And I was
0: like, Whoa, Well, it's like, okay. Here's Look a, at all these people. So we had sent in the, the thing from DeVos. And they're like, okay, we're going down the line. Well, he needs speech. Yep, we'll give him that. Oh, he needs some social skill training. Well, we can piggyback with this. And like, OT. Well, he doesn't really need OT, but I've got some time left to my schedule. I'll give him OT, too, because it wouldn't hurt. Yeah. Like, we're throwing the kitchen sink at this, which, by the way, you and I love, because there's no harm in it. Exactly. And adding these supports, because we can fade them out later. It's better to throw them at it now and pull, gradually pull them out later than to go realizing a year or two down the line. Oh god, we should have put that in too.
1: I really wish that we had done this a couple of years ago because I no. feel bad about the amount of time
0: And if any of our friends been... from the other school hear this, they're going to like feel bad, but it's like, you know, honestly, for this kid, we're looking back, like you and I almost were in tears afterwards like we should have we we shouldn't have been stubborn with the other school. We should have just said enough. Enough. We're tired of the politics, we're tired of everything else, and we're tired of not getting the full scope of resources available to our kid that we need. And I think we did the right thing. I'm still catching crap because I went back and coached, which just basically makes me available to be a target for them to whine at. But I don't know how much longer I'm going to put up with that crap either. I mean, we talked about before. I'm taking it one season at a time at this point. Instead of going the long view and just saying, I'm going to be here coaching until my last kid is through the program. Now it's one season at a time, not even one year at a time, one season at a time. Uh, And I think the high school parents get that. They've been overwhelmingly nice to me this year. Not that they were bad to me before.
1: Oh, they're sweet.
0: But I think they're trying to compensate for some of the middle school parents who have been... I'm picking my words nicely. Uh, Some of the middle school parents, especially in a year where I didn't have to do crap, I didn't even have to accept them... um, this is something I've worked hard to build and I wasn't going to leave them out, but the parents still treated me like a babysitter. Um, and we're not kind to my children. Yep. The par- the high school parents were doing a lot to compensate because they knew that their, their peers down at the middle school level were not behaving well. And their the parent, high school parents have made it very clear. They do not want me to leave and they appreciate the time. And I get that. And, um, if they are listening to this, I hope those high school parents know that I appreciate their kindness and it did not go, I didn't overlook it. It wasn't over, you know, it wasn't, um, I don't know. It's kind of getting emotional now, but I appreciate their kindness very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause they didn't have to go out of their way, but they have this past year to make, um, me and the kids feel welcome at practice. Even when the middle school, not all, but, a lot of those middle school parents just made us feel like garbage. Yep, they did. Uh, when we're taking time of our day, like I easily would gladly go home and spend time with our children while I'm trying to work, then going to work with their children, their the middle school children, and while my kids sit around going, oh, we gotta go to cross country again." It's like, well, dad enjoys this. Dad built this program, and these kids, these high schoolers, need this outlet. Mm-hmm. A lot of them really expressed. How much they care about it, uh, and how much it does for them. So, I can't also at the same time go. I need all these professionals doing all these things to help my kid with needs. Some of these high schoolers have needs too, and no one at this school is filling that. And I can't just abandon them right now in the middle of COVID. Um, That said, COVID's not lasting forever. But if I can get them through this season, I feel like I've done ethically. I've done my part, and then we'll go from there. You're shooting me a look. because I went on a tangent.
1: I mean, it's a really long tangent, and I'm not sure what it has to do with kid number two.
0: I don't know. He's there. <laughs> it's more like our decision to move him. Look, I'm I'm enjoying my whiskey. I see that. <laughs> this is this is a painful topic to talk about. It's very I difficult. Am, yeah, and I know. So tangents come out because it's not cut and dried. It's complicated because we, you and I are professionals, but. Uh, But we also are parents, and we also, like, have friends in different aspects, and we do things. And
1: So speaking of being parents and having friends, let's talk about how this diagnosis has affected all of the aspects of our life.
0: Well, to some degree, it hasn't. He's the same kid. We just finally have the label to go with it officially.
1: Yeah. But how would you say that having a child on the spectrum, has that impacted our relationship? at all like you and me
0: it's been challenging i mean all along or since we finally got the official diagnosis all along all along it's been challenging i mean there's days where there's frustration there's tears there's hugging there's us being mad at each other there's you know either you or me looking at the other one going you said that too gruffly to him or you know look cut him some slack or don't cut him some slack or yeah it's just i mean it's parenting and whether it's a kid on this, this spectrum or it's a kid with some other like dyslexic or reading disability or uh, Down syndrome or whatever, it's a challenge and you got to work past it. And it can be frustrating because parents are running on, these days, parents are just running sleep deprived. <laughs> and so you're not always thinking the best. And it, I mean, let's face it, kids in general, even if you had the perfect neurotypical, physically developing, typical everything kid... It's you know, kids are rough on the marriage. It cuts into like married couples' time, to put it politely. <laughs> I mean they just like appear at the foot of the bed.
1: They just show up it's they weird. Show
0: up, you know? It's or when you have a baby, it's like, no, it's your turn, no, it's your turn. Well then all of a sudden you got animosity towards each other. It's just another thing. Uh it's another challenge you gotta work through. How do you feel you, about it? Um I'm the one talking. Why are you
1: I think that you and I have handled it extremely well. I know that the divorce rate...
0: Well, I'm not saying we haven't handled it. We're still married.
1: Yes, we're still married. No, the divorce rate for families um, with children on the spectrum is extremely high because it is incredibly frustrating
0: to deal with this. Statistically Um, speaking, it is higher than the norm.
1: Yeah. Um, But I think that you and I, because of our background and because of the things that we decided to specialize in you and I have been able to handle those challenges.
0: I think people should know though, by no means just because of our background, we somehow are saints and we handle it perfectly we're not all the time
1: at all. Um, I would like everyone to know that our children are experts at swearing.
0: So in case you were wondering, <laughs> no, no, no. our children are experts in hearing it and not repeating it. No,
1: no, they repeat it and they use it correctly, but they don't do it in public anymore. So that's exciting. Um, yeah, we are not perfect parents at all, but we do have a unique background. We and also we know do where, which know... swear
0: word they use, who they picked it up from. Yeah, okay. It's usually you.
1: It's me. It's totally me. Um, we do because have we a unique have background favorite. with unique training, yes. and we know how to work together to deal with very specific behaviors that are common to people on the spectrum.
0: Do we always agree on the approach? No. Do we always agree on the intervention methods? No. Do we, majority of the time, come to a consensus on this is how we're going to handle this going forward? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Does it mean sometimes we have to sit down over drinks and talk through it? Like, have our own little intervention team meeting only with uh, cocktails? Sometimes. 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 Or watching a horror movie without cocktails. It
1: hasn't had a humongous impact on us as a couple, I think.
0: I don't think in that... um,
1: like I'm not ready to kill you yet because of this, so that's exciting.
0: This this is just our it's just our life, and and we love our we love them and that's just what's gonna take. It's kind of like, to me, it, kid kid three and four are young so they're short. Okay. They, they're, I mean they just <laughs> are. They actually they're all all the kids are short but like uh, one and two are starting to sprout up, and the way I look at this is we're going to have to reach for things off of high shelves for them because it's just what we're going to have to do. Or they're going to have to go get their step stool to go get it. Mm-hmm. Or when you go to a public restroom with kid four, because kid four always has to go to the bathroom halfway through hockey practice. And when it comes time to wash her hands, I <laughs> just boost her, like basically wrap my arm around her waist and have her up around my hip mm-hmm. so she can reach out and wash her hands because she's not tall enough.
1: She's very tiny.
0: That's an accommodation I have to make to help her so she can wash her hands because, one... Uh, It's COVID time. And two, even if it wasn't hygiene (laughs) in the public restroom, geez. Okay. So we got to accommodate the fact that they are of a normal height for them, their age. Okay. Kid two. There's other accommodations we got to do. And that's just the way it is. Kid one. She's got red hair. So we have to be out in public and deal with idiots who try to say things about how she has no soul. (laughs) They have said that. They have. They
1: have said that she has no soul. And also when she was a baby, she was like six months old. I took her to the grocery store and somebody came up to me and said, what brand of hair color did you dye her hair? Because I want that hair color for myself. And I was like, this is a baby. I didn't dye her hair. She grows it out of her head. It just is that color. Get right. away from us. So for
0: kid one, part of our life if having kid one is we just have to be, deal with morons in public. Yeah. Kid two. Great. He's on the autism spectrum. He's ADHD and he's got some some behaviors we got to work through. And that's just part of our life. Great. Kid three and four are little kids and we're going to have to lift them up for things until they grow. Well, that's just the way it's gonna be. Hopefully our backs will hold out and hopefully they'll grow up soon before we get old. Maybe get a little bit taller <laughs> soon. That'd be nice. Get a little taller. Oh it's gonna start rolling in. No, it. don't do it. Yeah, I'm don't rolling do a song. It. Okay.
1: All right. So moving on from us, how do you think that this diagnosis has affected our well, extended how, family? Yeah, before dynamics. you do the extended family.
0: How did you handle when we've suspected for a long time but part of our field is we don't do the di- the autism diagnosis Mm-mm. we send them off to another specialist to do the autism uh the the diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder and then in aba we then take the ball from there and run with it mm-hmm. to use a sports analogy which my doctoral advisor if he heard this would want to kill me because <laughs> he hates sports analogies why he just does
1: I didn't know that about him. That's oh yeah. Funny. He's
0: like, would you guys stop using the sports analogies when we were in lab meetings? <laughs> but um I'm a coach. Okay, anyways, <laughs> I like sports but- analogies. How you know, so when we finally got the official paperwork, or actually even the phone call, with the official diagnosis of what we had suspected for a long time, how did you take that news? I was
1: relieved. And I, like, I think I actually, when I got home, I screamed, I was right. I freaking knew I was right. Nobody would listen to me. And here it is in black and white that I was right. And people need to start listening. That was how I took the news. How'd you take it?
0: I had, like, all the emotion. Alls. With a Z. Alls the emotions. Like, if- I, had, I had the, it was a relief because finally this is something, like, I knew it. I knew it all along. The other part of this is something we were fighting to get because I knew it. The other part was.
1: <sighs> oh, but shit, I, it's real now. But
0: I was right. <laughs> the other part was, oh, crap, I was right. It was like, yes, I was right. And, oh, crap, I was right. You were right. And knowing that it's going to be a lifetime battle and challenge. And, I mean, he's very high functioning on the spectrum. Yep. And he's one of those ones like actually there's a lot of celebrities who come out and say you know in hindsight i probably am on the autism spectrum or i've gotten i've now found out i am there's a lot of them we don't and like you don't want to name them i don't want to name them but there's a lot who have said oh i i'm on it or i think i'm on it and but they've got some interesting quirks and behaviors and you know he can live uh a fully productive and fun life and everything and have a job and all those other you know wife and kids and everything
1: speaking of them what? one of the pediatricians that i took him to when he was a toddler actually told me yeah okay he's got some quirks i see that but i don't really think you need to get it diagnosed i think he's just gonna wind up being like a bill Gates type and just be sort of kind of like nerdy and weird but it's gonna be okay and i was like no I don't, I don't like that answer. I don't particularly want to have Bill Gates as a child. So no, thank you. I want you to give me the help that I am seeking. Don't tell me it's fine for my kid to be quirky. I
0: mean, he was fun to bring when he was little and even kid one with him uh, when you wanted to go shopping, like say at Victoria's Secret, but didn't want to get hassled by all the sales ladies because I'd just come in and they'd swarm the stroller and I'm like, and I just signal you like, okay, go, go do your shopping and <laughs> go try stuff on and without all, like, the little, like, college students bugging you. hmm I mean, he's a cute little guy. He is. He's got the long eyelashes. He's that very adorable. Like. So he's got uh, a healthy, fun, you know, life ahead of him. He's got a few challenges he's going to have to work through. So as a parent, like, you never want your kid to struggle. You never want to have all those hurdles in the way. Uh, having the diagnosis will at least give us some resources to move some of the hurdles out of the way and get him over the other ones. hmm But knowing that he's going to have to work harder than his peers, you know, part of that almost put me into tears.
1: Yeah, it's hard.
0: It it is, because, like, you don't want to see your kid have more to struggle or anything, and that's rough, and now you're tearing up.
1: Well, you don't want your kid to be the one that is, like, the outcast, the one that doesn't fit in with his peers. Yeah. It's really not a fun place to be. It's not a fun place to be as like an individual, and it's not a fun place to be as the parent of someone. So like that.
0: it it uh, and that kind of gets into when I, uh, I try to explain this to him, and it took how many months between the actual diagnosis and when I actually sat him down? And it took us of it actually took us a few months.
1: It took like a year.
0: So we 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 got this in. Um, yeah, like November, uh, November December was when the paperwork all came in, of third grade. And it wasn't, uh, and it really took a few months for us to process it, like over the holidays. And in that time, I think part of what I did to work through it was there was a autism benefit hockey game, which I signed up for and I sent to a few of my friends. And we went and played it, and it was a autism charity but I hadn't, I didn't say, Hey, my kids, my kids autistic. Let's, uh, let's go do this guys. You know, my kids on the spectrum and just said, Hey, this is a fun hockey experience, mm-hmm. but this was part of me also working through, okay, let's do this. It's a good charity. And they, they knew that I did a lot of charity things and we do, you know, breast cancer runs and everything. And, um, we had for a long time, but what they didn't know, uh, most of them didn't know. I think a few of them found out later. Um, was that I we had just found out our kid was on the spectrum and even though we had suspected it most of his life and so then when they asked for a captain uh, I didn't even tell the guy organizing it. it's like yeah my kid's on the spectrum I was just like hey I know most of the players I've led teams for a long time I've led teams at multiple rinks and I'm a commissioner and you know I just went that route left out the part like oh yeah my kid's on the spectrum too um uh, it was only later that I had said something in passing where somebody went it just kind of dawned on them like oh yeah that's why Marco was passionate about this one more so than some of the other charity tournaments um so it was it, it was part of the process for me too to do like that ceremonial puck drop at the beginning cuz I was the captain uh and we had a a, a young man who yeah, a boy come out who was also on the spectrum, did the ceremony puck drop was really cool. My dad was the official photographer for that game too. Um, And uh, we played, we was, some of the players in that were, were not quite at the level <laughs> they're a little above, but apparently because it was at Notre Dame, uh, a lot of guys like the spots filled up really quick. So I guess the advanced game filled up until a lot of guys decided to slum it in the lower level. <laughs> And it elevated the whole level, the speed of the game. It was like, holy crap. Uh, the jerseys were awesome.
1: The jerseys were awesome.
0: And then afterwards, Very there's been things. Those. So I like, I've done a lot to promote it. I hope they do some more uh, events down at Notre Dame and even up this way into Michigan. Because we've definitely, like all of us who played it, have got to keep our jerseys. And it has the, uh, the Pucks for Autism logo on it. And then they've said, like, hey, we got helmet stickers. I'm like, send me some. So I've had guys, I've passed those around to guys too. And I have a Pucks for Autism uh, helmet sticker on one of my helmets, the the main one I wear all the time. Um, And, but even then it's like, we still hadn't broken the news to kid two himself, much less his siblings was just before he was about ready to go back to school that I actually went out on the deck with him and it was a nice day. And we talked through it. And we went around and around with it because that's what it's like to talk to kid two. And really just went like, there's you're a wonderful person. There's nothing wrong with you. It just means you're going to have some challenges and you're not going to get everything as easily as some other people. And he's like, yeah, I've noticed that. And it, he got it. And there was, there was some tears out of me, tears out of him. Uh, both out of relief, but also out of frustration. And, you know, he gets, so he knows he's on the autism spectrum. He, I think he kind of gets what that is. He understands that the, there's a label for the frustrations he has uh, with social development and some of the other things and processing information and trying to control the noises and everything and forgetting that he has an internal monologue and maybe you should keep that internal monologue internal, it's almost like Austin Powers being thawed.
1: Oh my god! It's exactly like Austin Powers being thawed, except it's not funny.
0: Sometimes it is, but nope, very, it's ra- very not rarely. Funny. Usually, those times it's embarrassing. Yeah. We have not told, like, officially told his siblings. Although I have talked about the autism spectrum with his siblings before. I
1: talk about it often with his, with this, with all of them. Yeah. I, I, I talk about autism in general because it is something that I am passionate about. And I really, really want our kids to um, know that it's not something that you have to be like scared of and that it's okay to like be welcoming to the kids that are on the spectrum that are a little bit different, that they might have these behaviors that look really kind of strange and, and different from how some of their other friends might act, but they can still be kind and they can still be inclusive to these kids because I want our kids to be good people who are including kids on the spectrum in their in their everyday life.
0: There's a um the fact that Sesame Street has introduced a character who's yeah. on the spectrum, yes. And being able to reference that has helped in describing autism and speaking about it. It's been very useful. The one step I haven't done and I don't think you've done it either is to say, "Oh yeah, your brother, kid number 2, Is like Julia. She, he is on the spectrum, the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, I think kid one is starting to make the connection.
1: I think she has too.
0: Because she, I mean, even, but even before she asks
1: some very pointed questions,
0: she has, but even before, um, like years ago though, she knows something's up with her brother. I mean, I'm talking about like when she was in kindergarten, when she was in preschool. And even his younger brother, kid number three, knows something's up because they do stuff to work with him like talk to you know, talk in your head or chew with your mouth closed, or they do stuff to prompt him. They know they know those things are there. They just especially with kid three, I know kid three does not associate it, the label of autism with his brother yet, but he knows there's something going on in his brother and because we've also talked about it too like when he comes home from school he needs to decompress mm-hmm. he needs time alone and now kid number three can be a little turd sometimes <laughs> <laughs> he's he's very bright he's very his his um, he's
1: very particular
0: his social IQ his emotional IQ is very very high so he can tune into those things but it's like there's a lot of times where I've actually told him even like when he's in trouble, use your powers for good and not evil <laughs> because he very much when he's tired, especially and he just gets bored, it's like, I am going to push everybody's buttons and watch them explode and then they'll get in trouble. And that's funny to me. We've gotten into do not torment your older brother. Do not push his buttons. He, and we've talked about, he has to work harder just to get through the day than everybody else, and that's before he has to do his schoolwork. He has to work harder. He has to exert more effort just to make it through the school day, and then he's got to do his schoolwork on top of that. So leave him be.
1: My favorite um, was when kid number one and kid number two were little. Um, we kid number one would watch me with kid number two, and I would be doing like hand over hand, a full physical prompting with him to get him to like try and do something and she'd watch me do it and then she would be playing with her brother and she would want him to do something and he either refused to do it or he wasn't able to do it and so she would say oh that's okay kid number two here let me help you and she'd go over to him and put her chubby little hand on top of his chubby little hand and like make him do the things so that they could whatever game it is or activity it was that she wanted to do with him
0: opening the baby gate climbing the stairs no i'm talking about no she did that stuff too
1: i know she did but like building with blocks she wanted him to make a tower and he couldn't do it yet yes and so she would do hand over hand physical prompting with him to get him to be able to do it
0: well that's us that's the kids uh extended family I don't know. We haven't told the whole extended family. I mean, I have just... not
1: officially told anyone. I, that's not true. Not anyone in our extended family. Like, I didn't even call my parents and say, hey, kid number two has autism. The end. Like, that conversation just hasn't happened yet. I have just sort of talked about it, though, um, without just downright coming out and saying, kid number two is on the spectrum. So I think that they know from other conversations.
0: We've talked about it with one of my siblings. We've said it to my parents. I don't think they fully grasp what that all means because we haven't had that in depth conversation with them. I think they think they know what it means, but definitely haven't gotten into it with my other siblings. I didn't get
1: in I haven't gotten into it with my sibling.
0: His new school knows. Actually, that went really well. Yep. That was extremely well. In terms of our friends, uh, it took me a while. It wasn't that I was ashamed of anything. It took me a while to process it myself. And then once I got to that, it's just like, yeah, it's my son. And so I didn't like go make a grand announcement, but I just over time made a comment in passing and just realized that some of the people I had never because they didn't make it, didn't need to put a giant posting on social media or something. It was just like, I mean, he nothing's changed. We just have pretty much the keys to open other doors, which was a label that we, we pretty much already assumed. Um, and and the reactions were mixed. Some were like, No, not not kid number two, insert name there. Uh another one's like, Well, yeah. And other ones were like, Really? And it's like, Do you have you seen him? Have you have you been around him?
1: <laughs> you tried to talk to him.
0: So I've gotten the the full array, and then of course the, from some of the hockey friends, it's like, and now playing in the autism charity game it totally makes sense. But what I you know what they don't know is just one is it was a great charity, two it was a cool event, and three, um, it was part of the also that process of me working through it because. I mean there is a whole even with our backgrounds and our specialties there is a whole array of emotions that go with this where it's just like the relief but also the relief of all the other stuff was done and the pressure and anxiety and stress of the life ahead. Not that it was going to be any different but um, it's just that that moment is difficult and something about that charity game uh, kind of Worked out well. It worked out well. Yes. It also worked out well because that game, by playing in that charity game, we got two tickets to the Notre Dame game. It just happened to be that Notre Dame game We were already, I was already going to attend. And I usually buy a mini pass, a set of tickets. The kids deviate them and divvy them up who's going to go with dad. Kid two was going to that game. So even before we found out we, about the autism game, he picked that night. Then that night was a special autism night at the Notre Dame hockey game. And then beforehand dad was playing a hockey game and then that hockey game, dad turned out to be the captain who got to do the ceremonial puck drop with the other captain. So it was really cool. Uh, the, the two tickets that came with that I was able to give to my parents. So they were there for that too,
3: mm-hmm.
0: which is good. Cause then I got to drive my parents down there because them driving in the winter. is just scary because they're of that age. And it's Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. What about you and your friends? Have you even really talked about it with your friends?
1: I've talked about it with a couple of my friends. Like, my really close friends. General acquaintances, not so much.
0: How um, to go like over it with your friends?
1: Um, they were like, some of them were like, yeah, we, yeah, okay. It's good you finally got that on paper. We know you've been trying to get that on paper. Like, there was no disagreement. Like, no, it can't be. Um, Some of the other ones... A couple of people have said, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm not sure how to
0: take that. I don't know. I'm not sorry he's here.
1: I'm not sorry he's here either.
0: He takes a big chunk of my heart.
1: I don't know. Um, I haven't, like, made a point to tell everybody that I've ever met that my kid is on the spectrum. I have told my coworkers... And they actually think it's really cool. They're like, oh, neat. So you can relate to all of our clients' families. And I was like, yes, actually, I can. I have a very interesting viewpoint that in I fact, can you,
0: you, bring to work. That's um, brought up, too. Because like I know when we were working and doing clinical work back in grad school, before we even got married,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'd have parents in meetings going, well, how can you know? How many children do you have? And I mean, some of the clients were not on the autism spectrum. But just in general, they would go, how many children do you have? Like, None. I'm not even married. Well, how do you know how to, about kids? Like, yeah. Um, well, education and experience, but <laughs> now, in going forward, you're working with parent with kids and parents, or in the parent meetings of kids on the spectrum. And if they ever throw that line at you, why yes, yeah. I just
1: I come out and I tell them I'm like, yeah, you know, as a as another parent of a kid on the spectrum, blah 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 blah. And they're like. <gasps> You, you understand what it's like to live with this like in your house too not just at work and it's like mm hmm, yep and let me tell you how we handle it at my house
0: we've gone on the very long car trips with the weird noises coming from the way back of the van uh, yeah
1: yeah we've done all the things
0: we've done the things um it's it's life i mean and, and like you said like when we got it, it wasn't like well, we had to like post it over social media. Yeah, Like we have not done uh, a giant
1: media, social media. Although Although now we're putting on a podcast. This is the biggest thing we've ever
0: done. But I also think this is useful to people out there who are listening, who maybe are just going through this now who aren't behavior analysts. Right. I mean, you're a board certified behavior analyst. I was a doctoral level board certified behavior analyst for 11 years until I realized why am I paying for this to do business consulting?
1: Right. Um, yeah, their, their experience is going to be very different from ours just because generally parents who don't have this training really have no idea what's happening. But we're two
0: people with this training, these life experiences, and we still don't have all the answers. And we're no. still going through a lot of those things. So if we're going through this and we're having the ups and downs and we don't even always see eye to eye on everything, don't expect to have it just be perfect for you. And if you are having disagreements with your significant other and the other parent... It's normal. It's not the end of the world. You can be, you'll be fine. It takes work, though. Every day, it's it's work, but love is work,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and that's why you keep doing it. It's because uh, you love each other and you love your little buddy, mm-hmm. whether little boy, little girl, whatever. Yeah. So that's where we're at. Looking forward. Uh, I mean, life today. He gets up. He goes to school. He's got school tomorrow. He does. Uh, he goes to hockey. He goes to Taekwondo. He's got friends. He loves playing video games. He plays with his siblings. I mean, COVID's cutting into the social time, so we know we gotta work on social skills, but that's been it's hard very to dim- do when
1: kids aren't allowed to be around each <laughs> they other. Can't
0: do, they can't have play dates really. And um he's just a we I just got him into um light versions of uh, communicate, you know, digital communication in terms of chatting and stuff with lots of supervision just recently, but he's really young. Uh, so it's not like they're going to be doing zoom meetings all the time just yet. Uh, kid, his sister, kid one is, she's got the various apps for, uh, talking to her friends and whatnot. and they'll do, um, FaceTime and stuff. He's not quite there. His friends aren't, don't really have the resources either yet. Probably coming within the next year or two uh, as he he moves up. But yeah, COVID has thrown a a huge monkey wrench into the social development part. Luckily, we got a big family, so he's got to still get along with everybody. and He
1: has to talk to us. Like there is no escaping all of us. Oh, when at
0: dinner time and he wants to turn 180 degrees in his chair, it's like, no, 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 you will look at all of us.
1: You can turn around and and look at us and you can say some words.
0: But there's been a lack of variety because of COVID and being trapped at home or even when they go to school in person and come home. It's like, could you guys just do the dishes without fighting for once? (laughs) (laughs) Do a chore. Let's not fight over who's holding the dustpan and who's holding the broom. But part of that's also, that's just typical kid development. And learning those relationship and roles so they don't fight with each other when they end up in the business setting later in life.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. What do you see as the outlook for uh, Kid 2? Your hopes, your dreams.
1: Uh, Honestly, I'm hoping he can move out of the house and be (laughs) like a functional member of society on his own. I think he will. I would like for him to have friends. I would like for him to have a family. Um,
0: You know what he's been talking about lately in in Kid 3? They want to move in together at college. I know. They've been talking about college, and they've been talking about moving in together. Like, oh, my God, (laughs) it's going to be such a party house.
1: I hope that that happens. I really do.
0: Uh, Kid 3 will keep an eye on him. Uh, And Kid 1 or Kid 2 will keep an eye on Kid 3 because somebody needs to be his moral conscience (laughs) when he's being a little terrorist.
1: I hope that Kid number 2 gets to go to college and do the things.
0: You know, uh, academically, I think he'll be okay. It's just, uh, oh, cooking for himself, reminding him that, like, someone's got to remind him to change his underwear.
1: Well, see, that those are...
0: Part of that's just being a fourth-grade boy.
1: Okay, but, like...
0: Reminding you him, that no, you have to wash them. You can't just turn them inside out and wear them twice. Or, you
1: know, you have to remember to turn the stove off when you're done cooking. or You have to remember to shut the refrigerator door. Or he is pretty forgetful. The shower curtain inside of the bathtub and not outside of the bathtub because it does serve a purpose.
0: Close the curtains if you're going to run through the house from room to room naked, right. and looking so for it's, underwear. You know, it's maybe get the underwear the, before you go to the bathroom and take the a shower. tiny
1: behaviors like that that like really make me worry because I'm like, oh my god, he's not going to be able to do all of these things independently because he can't. He's not. He's not doing them yet.
0: But you also got to juggle. What is normal fourth grade boy behavior?
1: I don't know. <laughs> kid number three is like super modest and he absolutely will not run around without clothes on. That's like he won't go his, swimming
0: without a t-shirt. He on. will
1: not. He will, He has to have on a full rash guard and like really long, short. Like he is not into showing any amount of skin whatsoever. It's really funny. Um, So he is not running around the house naked after a shower. And kid two
0: is like, I'm going to go work on my tan.
1: Yeah, he totally does. It's funny. It is funny. Um, Yeah, I have no idea what normal fourth grade boy behavior is at home. Not a clue. Yeah.
0: Well, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Because what else are we going to (laughs) do?
1: Nothing, because we live in COVID times.
0: Yeah. We'll figure it out. Hopefully, for people listening, though, this has been helpful, insightful, Uh, I mean, I think the big takeaway is if you think your kid is on the spectrum or you suspect something, and the pediatrician's like, "No, we won't give you an outside expert." Push for it. Yep. Uh, and hopefully this will also know if you're struggling with this as a parent. uh, Look, the struggle is real. You're not alone. I mean, not the not to make light of the situation, but you and I have advanced degrees in behavioral psychology. Uh, we both have spent time working in autism, one of us way more than the other, and we still struggle. And it's okay. It'll be okay. You're not alone. There's other people out there. There's resources out there. Lean on them. That doesn't make you a weaker person. That makes you a stronger person, a stronger parent. Yep. Uh, And the emotions emotions are real. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to cry happy tears. Sometimes you're going to cry sad tears. Sometimes you're going to laugh. Whatever. Uh, It's do what you got to do and move forward. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: But with that, let's move on to a different topic.
0: Such as? The Red Arrow Challenge. Oh, the Red Arrow Challenge. Uh, The Red Arrow Challenge is our multi-sport competition we do. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all the different uh, age, whether by age group or your discipline or composite points, you can do it. It's free. We ch- give kudos to the weekly champions and we do that on the podcast and it's fun. It's free. Just sign up and get a register for a username on our website. You can find the link through actually go through our, our link tree a link that's in the bio of our Instagram account. You go on Instagram, we are Red Arrow HW on Instagram. Link in the bio, you can create a u- Red Arrow username, and at the end of the week, you put in all your totals. Oh, we even have a podcast where we define everything. I think it was that podcast number three. I think it was the one I did without you. You were sick. It happens, it happens. Uh, we got a variety of things.
1: So this week, we had nothing in swim, biking off-road, and stand-up paddling.
0: Imagine that. We're heading into winter in the Northern (laughs) Hemisphere, and nobody wanted to get in the water for swimming. No one wanted to stand up on a paddleboard, and nobody wanted to go off-road biking. Although, there's some off-road bike races coming up in West Michigan, so you'd think some of our users would have gotten in there, but they're all over, so whatever. Running. Nine and under, easy. E was the champ. 10 to 19, lucky dude. 20 to 29, H. 305, 30 to 39. The Logan is back. 40 to 49, coach T. 50 to 59, AR Miller. Nobody older than that, but for our featured members, which are you and me, me, yeah, the cross country coach. Oh, yeah, walking. Nine and under was Yellow Ninja, 10 to 19, Lucky Dude, 20 to 29, Smytha, 30 to 39, Mrs. Coach, 40 to 49, Coach T, 50 to 59, AR Miller, 60 to 69, Kilogram Hill, nobody older than that. And for our featured members, you. Oh, that's You have exciting. a phone in my voice right now? Yeah. The whiskey's good. <laughs> Not a sponsor. Biking. They could be.
1: Biking on road.
0: 9 and under, nobody. 10 to 19, nobody. 20 to 29, Gator Boy. 30 to 39, Cyclopath. 40 to 49, Jesse's Girl. 50 to 59, AR Miller.
1: Sit down paddling.
0: Not a lot of these, but 20 to 29, Gator Boy. Beat out HKNR 305. And for a 60 to 69, Kilogram Ill.
1: Cross country skiing.
0: Our favorite duo, although I've been on Sideline Swap. They don't sponsor us, but I do get a lot of crap off of there. Looking at new cross-country skis, because I haven't had a pair since I moved out of Michigan. I left my pair behind at my dad's shed, which I think he turned into tomato plant steaks, along with some of my old hockey That's sticks. That's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I think these guys probably have uh, indoor machines, because they've been doing it all summer. 40 to 49, El Tiburon 95, and 50 to 59, Big One 64. Skating! Skating! Nine and under, Yellow Ninja. Oops, I'm looking at the wrong category. Sorry, skating. Uh, 20 to 29, Gator Boy. 30 to 39, Wildcat. And 40 to 49, Great One. Hockey. There we go. Now I'm looking at the right column. Hockey, nine and under, Yellow Ninja. 10 to 19, Lucky Dude. 20 to 29, Lexi. 30 to 39, Wildcat. 40 to 49, Coach T. And for our featured members, me. <laughs> Points. For composite points, 9 and under, Yellow Ninja was the champ this last week. 10 to 19 was Lucky Dude, 20 to 29, Gator Boy, 30 to 39, The Logan, 40 to 49, Coach T, 50 to 59, A.R. Miller, 60 to 69 kilogram meal, nobody older than that. So, you know, if you're older than that, easy points to win. (laughs) And for our featured members, yeah, I beat you out. Shocking. I know. So that's free to join. Go find the link, create a username, start recording your totals, put them in every week, and we will give shout outs to all the champs.
1: hmm Yay. Yay.
0: But with that, that uh, that was quite the emotional talk. It was. It was. How are you feeling? Tired. Yeah, me too. I got a bunch of cross-country prep to do now. Have fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. This was another episode of the Red Arrow Health and Wellness Podcast. We drop episodes every Monday, tune them in, listen to the old ones. But for now, uh, it's been fun, Jessica.
1: Loads of fun, Marco. All
0: right. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.